is Tuesday. I'm Drew Berkowitz. This is my show. We got a lot to get to. Gonna be a fun day. Fun night, I guess we should say. It's, it's nighttime now. Especially now with the time change. It's darker, faster, it's bright in the morning. I've, I've woken up so bright, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because of the brightness. But then at this time of day, I'm kind of... <laughs> I, I got to catch my wind, and I will. I'll catch my wind here very shortly, but... Yeah, well, the sun starts going down like at 2. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is this is wild. Uh, it's going to be, you know, when we finally get to the point where we've decorated here, it'll be very festive, though, because it's dark. I guess it's always dark in here. Uh, but we've got a great show, folks. Author, content manager for Dan Bongino over at Bongino Report, Matt Palumbo will join us here in a bit. Going to have some fun talking to him about some of the elections that are ongoing today. Uh, we hope that you're over here with us on Rumble. Hit that like button wherever you are. Rumble, any of the big big tech platforms, if they're letting you watch it, uh, wherever you might be, please hit that button. Continue to engage and share, share, share away. All of those things go a long way uh, in helping kind of push through some of the algorithms on the different platforms that are out there. So. Please do that. Um, we got we got a lot that we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about Crowder in just a second here, and and not specifically Crowder, but how Crowder was censored by YouTube and Meta, i.e., Facebook and Instagram, over the story that broke yesterday about the trans Tifa terrorist shooter at Covenant Christian School. I'm going to talk about the Nashville mayor and police losing their minds over the reporting that happened. Going to talk. Key elections, as I mentioned, the debate that's going to happen tomorrow, GOP debate, and and just kind of the broke-ass left in general with Matt Palumbo. We're going to do that. We got Russia, U.S., NATO, all of them backed out of a treaty overseas. We'll tell you what it, the treaty is, what it means. And then you've got Lady Graham and a bipartisan just gaggle of cock lovers who are trying to ensure <laughs> that we start a hot war with this new bill. Gal Gadot standing up for her homeland in a big way. Proud of her. <laughs> a lot of ways. Uh, and, and Bill Maher went after Neil deGrasse Tyson and more. We got a lot. We're going to get into a lot. Before we get started, though, please tell you that this hour is, as always, or at least for now, um, sponsored, commercial-free by American Alternative Assets. Not for now, like they're, they're going anywhere, but per our, per our agreement right now, they're, they're doing this for us. So thank you to them. American Alternative Assets. Uh, and <clears throat> it's a good thing that we know them and that we've introduced you guys to them. And if you haven't talked to them yet, you should. It doesn't take anything other than your time to discuss it. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but things aren't going particularly well in the economy. They're just not. But you can safeguard your wealth. You can protect your savings. 401k, IRA, whatever it might be, combination of all those. Get a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Just do it. Call 833, the number 2 USA Gold. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide will outline the precise steps that you need to take to transfer your IRA, your 401k, or portions therein into precious metals, all without any tax consequences. So call 833, the number 2, USA Gold. That's 833-287-2465. Or again, visit protectfrombiden.com. All right, let's kick things off with the news crews. I want to get to the... Trans Tifa terrorist 
here in a second, but just real quick, just because it's kind of remarkable how quick it went. I, I saw, I'm sitting out back today at the house before I came into the studio. And I, maybe I was having a cigar. None of your business. It is. I'll, I'll tell you, I was. It was delightful. It was a beautiful day here in Florida. And I'm sitting out there and I see these reports come through like you probably did too. Armed shooter with an AR-15 style weapon outside the U.S. Capitol building. And you're like, oh, shit. Here we go. Here we go. What's this going to be? And then all of a sudden, you realize there's not a lot of conversation about it. It just kind of seems to be going nowhere. But but uh, there's a reason for that. You want you guys want to know why? Disco, can we get queue up that tweet? But yeah, give me a second. I got kicked out of the trackaster. Just I'm, I'm coming I back. I want in. excuses, Disco. I want the tweet. <laughs> um, but but Disco's Disco's gonna pull it up. We always have our technological demons here that we deal with. But but you have you you have. Um, Drew, your palms used to wave. What happened? Oh, yeah, they're not waving. We'll get those turned on, too. We're having all sorts of tech-ish. Disco not in the studio today. Um, so we'll just do like we normally do and blame Disco. But um, but you have this. So here, here's why you're not hearing about it anymore, right? Because in theory, you see, oh, there's a shooter out there at the Capitol. It's an AR-15. It's a weapon of war, as we on the left would call it. And then it goes nowhere because there's a picture of the shooter right there. And this is obviously a parody site, U.S. Ministry of Truth, who are hilarious, by the way, if you don't follow them. We regret to inform you that due to unforeseen circumstances, we will not be releasing the manifesto of the man who almost (laughs) shot up the U.S. Senate because he doesn't fit their narrative. He's a young black male who, in most pictures, has the double pant thing going on where the one set of pants is down at the ankles, which I still just don't get. I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to be rude or, or mean or... Over the top. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, it's just... I don't either. There, there's a lot of things that go on in fashion nowadays that I don't get, that I don't like, and that happens to be one of them. I remember when this fad first started in 1997 because I was working on the TV show Cops, and it was the first time that I had seen this in fashion out on the street, and it was like... It was the dumbest fashion statement I had ever seen. And, you know, like with any fad, you think it's going to go away after a while. This one hasn't for some reason. It's just, it's moved generationally, which is really strange. It really is. Not not ideal. It's not ideal. But it's not going to be discussed because this shooter does not fit the narrative of the type of shooter that they want to put out there, the type of headline and story that they want to put out there, what they want their discussion points to be. If this was a white conservative, I think he's white adjacent. He's white adjacent. There you go. <laughs> but I mean, right? I mean, I mean, obviously it goes without saying. But if this was a white conservative, this would be all over the place. There'd be newfound claims for gun, you know, cries for gun control. All of this happening. We're we're not really seeing that. And and what what should be considered an attack on democracy, using the terms of the left, even if it wasn't really, and even if it went nowhere. The, the, the thought of it or the threat of it is enough for the folks on the left. It, you'd think that that would be the, the verbiage, but it's not because this is a young black male who's been detained, doesn't fit the narrative, so it's going to go nowhere. It went nowhere the rest of the day. Just literally straight up disappeared. Well, yeah, it's going to dis- It's going it, to—this story has disappeared quicker than it appeared. Yeah. Because— it, 
you have the media waiting with bated breath going, oh, here we go. It's another white Trump supporter who, you know, is disenfranchised or just is a racist. It is going on a shooting rampage. Now it just becomes, oh, well, um, nothing to see here. Let's move along. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I love how long you've held that, too. That was that was brilliant. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't meet the narrative, neither does the confused dyke Christian killer, says Bill. Uh, but you're right. You're right, Bill. Is 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 over the top as some people might see. That's not over the top around these parts. But um, you're right, and that's that's what we're going to talk next because we. So th this whole thing breaks yesterday. The, the the Covenant killer, Audrey Hale, who of course thinks that thought that she was a boy. She's dead now. Um, because she went and shot up a bunch of, of, of children. But it, that disappeared. There was a manifesto, never reported, never shared, because it was going to be too damning. And, it, and, and moreover, it was not good. They, they said, oh, this isn't good for, the, for, for a number of reasons. Legally speaking, it's not good for the, the well-being of people. It was, this doesn't fit our narrative. And it's going to lead to some other issues. Potentially harmful to the trans community. Yes, potentially harmful to the trans community, which is a laughable thing uh, all on its face. So then you fast forward, or in this case, rewind to yesterday. And you have Crowder who gets a, a copy of the manifesto, of this notebook, where you had Audrey writing all of her just super anti-white, anti-Christian, hateful stuff, laying out the plan. We showed it to you yesterday. We showed you the schedule. We showed you some of the words that were said and 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 what was kind of leading her to feel the way that she did and, and ultimately do the things that she did even though she's a white chick even though she's a white chick she was so mad at other white people which is a huge problem by the way we joke and laugh about it but think about this think about what the left does they have convinced white people males females alike first of all to not understand what a male or a female is but then to hate themselves and to hate their parents and to hate the communities they grew up in, they've, I mean, they've done a hell of a job, if we're being honest, and, and, and just totally disturbing the system. I need you to hate yourself, ultimately be willing to kill yourself like an extremist, which I would say she was, and uh, hate everything about this country that gave you the opportunity to— it's just madness what they've what they've been able to accomplish, but they have they've they've done that. So this all happens, anyways. Getting to the point. Well, this chick, even though that she's white, she identified as trans, and so in this whole race uh, of trying to be an aggrieved class, you can't be white because then you're an oppressor, not a victim. So the only way to achieve any kind of victimology stat or victim victimhood status is to become a part of an aggrieved class. So that's what this chick did. She went the trans route. All of a sudden, once you become trans, you're no longer white. And I know that sounds weird, but in the, the diseased mind of the leftists, that gives you some sort of protection against your whiteness, because now you're trans, you're intersex now. That's why we see so many trans people in, in so many leftist gay folks out with the pro-Hamas enthusiasts because they're portraying themselves as not being white because they don't identify as white. They identify more as their sexuality being the main characteristic that identifies them. Right. Yeah. It, that, it, that's a great point. 
Also, great point. Magellan said last thing to go through her mind was a <laughs> five, five, six. Um, <laughs> true statement. But 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 Crowder. So they're they're broken, right? There's there's lots of issues there. I'm sure we'll keep talking about that. But but Crowder and crew break this, and they're talking about it yesterday. They're sharing the documents, and then subsequently, a lot of us are all sharing the documents that they were able to obtain. And very swiftly, big tech decided, hey, no, mm, we're not going to do this. And you had Google and Meta, which, again, is the new umbrella company above Facebook and Instagram and, and also Threads now, which I've not even logged into. But, but Google and Meta have banned sharing Stephen Crowder's release of the Nashville Transgender School Shooter Manifesto. Google, specifically YouTube, went as far as saying that Crowder's team was acting as like a violent organization doing this <laughs> absolutely astonishing and there's a lot of people when, when it used to be called investigative journalism it did i mean can you i mean the fact that you have people attacking him for this attacking a lot of people in the the periphery of this whole story and then also i mean you've had people attack uh, formerly project veritas which is now going away of course but you know now o'keefe media group and, and all that James and them have done there. And look, I don't know James. I don't know if I like him or not. I like what he does, though. And, and what that is, 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 is the term Tom just used. That's called investigative journalism. And it's, I know, you're going to have to Google it. I know it's a thing of the past. But, but that's, that's what you're supposed to do. But you have people, now everything is so controlled, so monitored. Well, we can't talk about this, can't talk about this. We, who, what did that person look like? They, they were white. Oh, they were white, blonde, and blue. Oh, we can definitely talk about that. Lead with it. Lead, exactly. All that stuff can happen. But you, you bring this up, and it's a, it's a transgender you know, girl who thinks she's a boy, super confused, super angry, super violent, clearly, and you're not allowed to talk about it. And then you get evidence that proves that everything that people thought back in the day when we were all talking about it, when that tragic day happened in the days and the following following the aftermath uh, of those events. And we're told we can't talk about it because you're going to hurt this aggrieved class. You're going to hurt the trans community. You're going to hurt this. How about we just talk about it? How about we just have a discussion about what this is and what this, what this, what this isn't, and then let people decide for themselves? Well, that's, that's not acceptable anymore. You can't do that because the left has to control everything. They've controlled this. They were so certain for a long time that they had control over this manifesto that we knew existed, and, and, and they did until they didn't, and, and now it's out there. Well, so this gets dumped out there yesterday, and people are like, well, that's not real. And you have the parents who are like, we can't verify if that was real or not. We never saw a notebook or a journal. Like, well, you clearly <laughs> missed a lot with this one here. But you have, you have folks who have come out and confirmed it. You had Fox 17 who confirmed it uh, there in Nashville. And you can see this tweet here. Fox 17 News is confirmed through a source that reported images of the leaked manifesto of Nashville shooter are authentic. Social media photos claiming to show some of the writings by the Covenant, uh, Covenant School shooter Audrey Hale are authentic. Fox 17 News has confirmed through a source. There's all the parts of that tweet right there. So... For anyone coming out and saying, well, but is this real? Because we don't trust Crowder and other folks in conservative media. Yes, it is. And and yes, you didn't really even need to confirm whether it was real or not because you read the words in it. And then you said, is this the kind of person that would do this? And the answer, whether you like to admit it or whether you know it or not, is, is absolutely. This is this is 
this is real. But what's so unique about this is is the fact that once again, it was hidden forever because of the, the damage that it could do to the trans community who doesn't even know who they are. And and now this comes out and it's, it's two, allegedly two law enforcement officials, some reports suggesting that they've been fired since, at least according to Candace Owens and some others, who shared this information, weren't paid for it, shared this information because it was the right thing to do. There's still a couple good people out there and, and the city of Nashville has lost their shit. You've got the Nashville mayor, who rather than, than talk about how awful this was and how broken this person was who did it, talked about, we need to figure out, here's a tweet, we need to figure out, we, we're launching an investigation into the leak of this shooter's uh, manifesto. Now, I get it. I get it. You should, you should want to know as a city official how this information came about. But you should also say, why did we block it in the first place? By the way, look up some pictures of his family and and kind of who he is, and you'll get a lot of answers. But oh yeah, dude, that, this that, that mayor is your quintessential shit lib cuck. I mean, you could just tell by looking at him where he's like, mm, you know, this is horrible. This is you know what what does it say about the whole DIE program? You know, this is bad because we have to we have to continually. You know, judge people based on their race and their sexual orientation because we are inclusive. He, he's got that. He does. He, he's got well, that isn't look. I mean, I'm just saying I, I've, I've only seen a couple pictures. But is his wife? I don't know, man. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying the like, I don't want to pick on people. I get paid to do it for a living. But like, I'm just saying the picture I saw today it makes a lot more sense. Quest, yeah, very yeah. questionable. Kind of like, you know, Kamala's stepson daughter-ish. Ish. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's just this whole weird, uh, the, the left is engaged in, the, the new Puritan left is so just like, it, 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 there, it, it's just so. I'm telling, I'm telling, nani nani boo boo. I'm telling, and you're gonna get in trouble because you're not doing what we say. They're just so nannyish and just so like. It's just. It, 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 I'm at a loss for words, but hmm. just it, they're so childlike, you know, where it's not. They won't have a debate about anything. It's like, we have to shut this down because it's bad and it's not inclusive. And, it, you know, you're saying words that trigger people because right. words are violence now. Yeah, they are. But I mean, uh, it's so, I mean, it's got to be so exhausting to be on the other side and be so steadfast in your commitment to not let the truth out there. It's a religious movement. It's a religious movement without God. If you look at the modern-day leftism and you look at tenets of different religions and very fundamentalist kind of ways of practicing that religion, that's what the left is. Yeah. It is a religious movement without God in there. It is, and they've replaced it with government, and they've replaced it with, you know, uh, climate change, and they've got their, their patron saints. They've got 
you know, Fauci, the patron saint of science. They've got, you know, Saint Greta, the patron saint of climate. All of their all of their belief systems are wrapped usually in one person that represents that that pillar yeah. in their religion. And it, it, it it's mind blowing. It is. But that's who they are. That's how they do it. Um, the the quote from the mayor was, I've directed Walls Dietz, Metro's law director, to initiate an investigation into how these images could have been released. That investigation may involve local, state, and federal authorities. I'm deeply concerned with the safety, security, and well-being of the Covenant families and all Nashvillians who are grieving, O'Connell said in a statement. You don't care about the Covenant families and Nashvillians whatsoever when it comes to this story. I don't think you do in general. But to come out and say that I'm concerned about the families from the school who, by the way, want answers and truth surrounding the death of their children or the trauma and and just constant psychological issues that are going to be facing these children for years and years to come because of what they endured. They don't want nothing. No. They want answers. They want truth. They want, and and a lot of them know the truth probably, but they want the rest of. What do you want when you're when you're grieving and when you're when you're frustrated and sad and angry? Do you want people to get you and get what you're going through? Squashing it, not the answer. No, and let's remember what happened it, right after the shooting. We had all these trans activists going into the Capitol Rotunda in Nashville, holding this up. And that meant it, there were six victims, but they, they claimed that the shooter chick is another victim, so they held up seven, seven fingers in, in solidarity in, in, you know, in remembrance of this trans-Tifa assassin. And then what happens after that? You had these three dickhead politicians that got on the floor protesting, and then the vice president shows up, doesn't have the time of day for— the victims and goes meet goes and meets with the dickhead politicians that caused a scene and got booted out and then brought back in. Yeah. So that tells you all you need to know about what they care. They care about the agenda and they care about the poison ideology of diversity, equity, inclusion. This is what this is all about. It's about that toxic stew that they're trying to get everybody to eat right now and, and kill their moral compass. That's what they're going for. And anything that's going to upset the delivery of any waiter serving it up to you so is to prevent you from lapping it up, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. No, it is. Well, and anyone, too, you know, we showed the—, the um the statement from the Fox, uh, not department, but Fox channel there, local channel earlier, who confirmed the validity of these reports. Um, the, the police department also put out this tweet. I think we've got the tweet. Do we have that tweet, Disco? Um, I know we talked about it earlier, but they put they put it out too, essentially confirming it as well, saying, you know, we're looking into this. We don't understand how. Yeah, there we go. Um, we don't understand. Uh, the following is a statement from Chief John Drake, greatly disturbed by today's unauthorized release of three pages of writings from the Covenant shooter. This, the police department, is extremely serious about the investigation to identify the person responsible, meaning who leaked the, the documents. This action showed a total disregard for Covenant families. Again, you don't care about those families. You care about the narrative, as well as our court system, which has control of the shooter's journals, at present time due to litigation filed earlier this year. It's now pending in Davidson County 
Chancery Court and the Tennessee Court of Appeals. We are not at liberty to release the journals until the courts rule. Our police department looks forward to the ultimate resolution of the litigation concerning the journals. So, so someone puts this out there. It, law enforcement officers or personnel, I don't know whether they're officers or some, some other support staff within there. And, and again, everyone loses their mind and says, we're so mad that you guys now, that the populace knows the truth and that someone was willing to stand up to us, those, those city officials willing to suppress the truth for the sake of the narrative. And we're going to say that it has to do with us protecting the hearts and minds of the covenant families and, and the victims and, and all of this. I, I just, I, at this point, three years ago, certainly five, 10 years ago, but even three years ago, you maybe get away with this. How, how, how do you think anyone's buying this today? They're not buying it because if you are protecting the families, you're not releasing crime scene photos and they haven't released crime scene photos. All, all this manifesto, it shows the motive and the intent that the shooter had leading up to their actions, which is, to me, is very important for the family and for the rest of us to understand. If you want to protect the family and shield them from anything that's uncomfortable, it would be autopsy and crime scene photos. It right. would be, you know, the 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 descriptions that we've heard of these little kids that are laying in the hallway and the officers stepping over them to get to the shooter. Those would be horrific images. It would be, you know, terrible for the family if those were released. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the maniacal ramblings of a trans-Tifa shooter who got caught up in the toxic ideology of di diversity, equity, and inclusion, and she... she ate all of this all of this business that they're they're pushing about and she focused in on the fact that the ideology that she ascribes to has to get rid of white people because they are the source for all problems in the United States and around the world and she acted on it and that's what they cannot let out and let the general public know that what the left is pushing on all of us is so toxic that it drove this person to murder, which is exactly what happened. And one other thing from the pages that, re that were released, this chick also said in her rundown of her timeline, I'm also, she wrote, uh, like, at 11 o'clock, make final video. Where right. is that video? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We haven't seen it. We hadn't seen the manifesto, and— we haven't we haven't seen that video for sure. We also don't know because you know there was a sticky note on there. Lunch, eleven to one. We don't know what she what she ate. Well, I'm sure it was probably gluten free and you know <laughs> all those other sort of dietary restrictions that we see that's so prevalent with the uh, Gen Zers nowadays. Yes, I mean she did spend time with her stuffed animals. Yeah, I mean that was worked in. That was actually. <laughs> One of the first things on the schedule. So I know I spend time with my stuffed animals all the time before I come into work. Uh, <laughs> you know, sadly, I actually believe that, <laughs> and it concerns me a little bit. Um, so let's do this. We've got uh, we've got a good friend joining the show. Uh, it's been a minute since we've had him here. I'm excited to have him back. Joining us now is author, content manager over for Dan Bongino at the Bongino Report, Matt Palumbo. Matt, good to have you. How are you doing, man? Good, thanks for having me on, and I'm uh, hoping there's no tech issues. I know I always, my mic's always broken when I come on, but hopefully no, you can hear good. me all right. Yeah, all yeah, right, you, awesome. 
you look good, good you sound good it's it's good to have you oh uh, no thank you so much for having me out i'm always excited to come on yeah absolutely so so let's 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 kind of talk we were talking trans tifa terrorists earlier let's kind of pivot because you know one of the things that we've got to do even though it's not easy in this country is is fix the shit that we're in and we there's a lot of there's a lot of shit that we're all stepping in and, and a part of now and that involves elections and everyone's got their concerns about elections and i get it i do too but but there's a lot going on today and and by the way with speaking of shit and speaking of elections with with all of this going on we're getting reports all damn day about stuff going on in Pennsylvania with machines flipping votes for people to, you know uh, uh, there's all sorts of reports so not been a great start i would say to to what should be a day that people are focused on making some big wins on, on the local, state, and federal level. Um, a, 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 any feedback on that? Any take that you've seen from, from some of the reporting that's out there? Well, I think it's worth noting that, you know, if even third world countries don't, on average, have these problems with elections. So the fact that we do kind of leads me to go in the direction of it's probably by design. Um, you know, we, we put a man on the moon. We've I don't really probably need to summarize America's achievements. The fact that we can't count ballots correctly uh, is a bit uh, of a red flag to me. 100 percent. 100 percent. I mean, I'm telling you, I spent most of my adult life in Afghanistan, sometime in Iraq, too, and other uh, vacation spots overseas. But but the elections there were so broken and 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 you never thought in a million years that we'd have something that was similar and you come home and then fast forward to to present time obviously going back to 2020 and you're like well shit the afghans aren't any and, and we granted we were running it which probably tells you something too but like they're not they're not any worse off than we are but so there's a lot of issues to fix there but there there's some stuff that we can do to kind of make some gains right today too i mean there's the kentucky gubernatorial race you had yes. andy Bashir. Uh, Democrat seeking his second term. You had Daniel Cameron, who's kind of a, an interesting fella on the right, who's trying to unseat him. Uh, I think uh, Mississippi actually will be an interesting governor race because it will kind of give us a preview on how the black vote might go in 2024. Um, there's obviously a lot of talk that Trump, I mean, I've seen polls actually that are more closer to 20%, which would be unprecedented. In yeah. fact, I think the stat was if the African-American vote would go to 15% and if every other demographic stays the same, it's pretty much a guarantee for a Republican victory. So Mississippi is about 40% black, and we'll see how they turn out. I mean, the only thing to keep in mind is in local elections, the black vote usually actually is a, a lot higher than it is for Republicans than it is in presidential. So, you know, you'll have to subtract it from the average, you know, subtract the average from whatever it is. But if we do see a boost, I think it's going to be a, a good signal. That, that that's a good point that's a good point and, and man if you were to hit 20 percent on that other mark that would oh, be yeah, we had in the bag <laughs> yeah i mean that that's done i mean it's it's game over at that point that would be remarkable uh and you do see you see a lot of folks trending that you saw people it, it kind of trending that direction not necessarily that figure in 2020 but yeah, some big gains in in that department for sure for trump um but you 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 you, you look to these how i mean how important and i've got a couple other ones i want to talk to you about too but you look at Kentucky, you look at Mississippi, Kentucky could could get flipped in theory. You know, yeah. I, I think that there's there's a, this Democrat seems to be pretty popular there, even though it's a Brandon or, Presley. Yeah, yeah. A distant cousin yeah. of Elvis Presley. Yeah. So, I, mean, he's, <laughs> oh, I he's even know that. Cool. <laughs> what do you say, Matt? 
I said, I didn't even know that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I, I didn't either. He's, he, Tom, Tom's, Tom's always dropping some kind of tokens on us. But, but I mean, it seems like he's pretty – even though it's a, a consider, you know, considered to be a red state, it seems like he's pretty popular there. This other dude, uh, Cameron, is, is, is kind of an upstart dude who, who might have some potential, but it's going to be probably a, a, a tall – tall tale for him or tall a tall order for him to to get that done but then you got tate reeves so hopefully can win in in mississippi so so those are important but i mean when you look at these i mean you deal with news and politics all the damn time you look at these and there's a lot of people who are in we're in florida you're where you are you've got folks out in the northwest are like why should i care about this what's your message to people on on state politics and why it matters well, it actually matters a heck of a lot more than than national in that there's just so much you have so much more control over your own backyard or you know relative to the you know the national scale. I mean the president is mainly well commander in chief but it's you know his authority is not going to affect things like Actually, I shouldn't say it's not going to affect. The president obviously can influence a lot, but but when it comes to something like crime, and you know, I've written a lot about the Soros prosecutors, they, I mean, they don't even have to go through a legislature or a governor. Like just that one local position kind of gives you carte blanche to pick whatever you want for the laws, and you could even boil this down to every other position. Where you know, you know, your local school board is going to have way more power than anything Biden can direct. So I think those issues are really important. Um, and then as for the races, I'm paying attention to. I guess in my own state of Jersey, I don't know if you remember. Ed Durr, the trucker who uh, unseated the Democrat leader of the Senate in our state, but he's up for re-election, so it'll be interesting to see if he can pull it off again. And then I'm also just kind of uh, oddly curious about the the woman who was like porn career got leaked. Uh, oh, she's yeah. still in the race in Virginia. Uh, yes. Susanna Gibson, I think. Yes. So she's yeah. still she's still running. She voted today. So I, I'm curious to see just what will happen with that. Uh, if she wins, I'll be stunned. Well, you know, but the crazy thing is, if you're on the left, that kind of news is like, well, she's kind of interesting. Like for the rest <laughs> of us, like that's maybe questionable. Maybe, maybe just keep that to yourself, um, and and that would sink the rest of us. But Virginia is interesting because of the G, you know, GOP. You know, obviously Youngkin governor there, you know, picked up control of the House the last cycle, is fighting to keep it now. And then if they get, I think it's two seats. If they get two seats in the Senate, then they would have control of all three. <laughs> So that would be telling for kind of where things are trending on some on some level, I would guess, uh, for the conservative movement moving forward. Uh, and then, of course, you got the possibility of just electing a porn star. Um, and I mean, that's those are your options. <laughs> I think Italy did one, so it is possible. But uh, yeah, we'll see in this one. <laughs> I guess uh, I think though, I mean, it will be sort of the same effect that I was mentioning earlier, where it could be like you know uh, just a preview of 2024, and that Virginia isn't necessarily solidly red or blue. It seems to go from like 55, 45 in both directions every couple of years. So you yeah. know, it'll be an interesting state, kind of like the way Ohio used to be uh, to some extent. Well, I'm glad you brought up Ohio because Ohio's voting on voting on abortion, mm -hmm. and you know, Ohio, we've we've had some wins there. As of late, unless you're in East Palestine, um, but like we've had some some wins there, and I, I'm not mocking the people there. The, the the government totally hates you and has done nothing for you. <laughs> they detonated a bomb in your backyard. <laughs> in your backyard. <laughs> but but you've got this this uh, issue one, as they call it, that's on the 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 ballot today that basically gives full reproductive right decisions to the people, which includes abortion. All all of it's under this umbrella bill. What do you think that's do you think it goes through and then what do you think it says not just for Ohio but for the country if it does? 
Well, so, you know, abortion polls very oddly in that if you just look at women and the left says it's like a war on women, it's 55% pro-choice, according to Gallup, and 45% pro-life. But when you get to extremes on both sides, you then see a huge swift switch to either the pro-choice or pro-life um, side, depending on the shift. So if you were to say, you know, let's ban all abortion, usually it's like 70% of women would then turn against it. But when you do the exact opposite of abortion up until birth or even beyond 20 weeks, then it starts to shift overwhelmingly pro-life. So so I, I don't wanna make a prediction because I'm always wrong. You know what? I should say it's going to pass. So and then it won't pass. Okay, let's go with that. That, that maybe helps the country, hopefully. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I appreciate you. I mean, we should probably get you some sort of a medal. Um, we'll work on works. that. If it yeah. works. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, I hope, man, I hope that that's the case because I feel like it's not like Ohio is Florida or Texas or a couple other states, but, but Ohio, I mean, there, there are some, some values there that I would think would, would, would prevent this from going through. And I hope that they do, but it's also, it's just so, it would be so, yeah, I know you've got some time, but it's so damning for, for the country, not just the state of Ohio, if this goes through, because it's different than if, if it goes through in some just solidly blue state, like, right. of course it's going to happen there. I, I think it would be bad if it happened in Ohio, but Tom, I, know, I can see you. Matt, I got a question for you, and this is sure. talking, this is a societal question. How did we go from safe, legal, and rare to shout your abortion and abortion up until birth? It just seems like people like myself who I've never been pregnant. I never plan what? on getting pregnant. I can't get pregnant because I'm a dude. But, it, you know, abortion has always been one of those subjects that's been always very tough with me where it's like I just, you know— I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to discuss it. But then all of a sudden, I felt I was part of the abortion discussion when, you know, I, I just moved from California. I spent the last 10 years living in L.A., and the change that state has gone through, I was like, I got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. But when it came to this, you know— it, Ralph Northam saying, we're going to make the baby comfortable and then let the mother decide what we're going to do. That was a red flag. And I was like, y'all have lost your mind. So societally, what what happened to safe, legal and rare to let's abort your baby after it's born? Well, I think the simple answer is they were just lying the entire time. Um, and, and, you know, politicians on both sides, it's kind of t playing to what I was saying earlier, that the pro-choice side only wins when it's a moderate position. So they kind of have to moderate it and pretend safe, legal, and rare. But the rhetoric is self-refuting. If, if, if you want it to be rare, you are admitting there's something wrong with it. So th there's no reason to call it, you know, to, to, to desire that if there's not inherently something wrong with it. So, you know, immigration is another issue as well, where they just try to say, like, hey, we just need to fix the system. And I'm saying, well, by fix the system, you mean the let in a bunch of people, and then say we can't deport them because there's too many, and then say we need to fix the system so we can let them. It's just this endless cycle over and over and over. And they do this with every issue. They're never honest about really anything. And uh, I don't like the most recent example, or actually, you know, to give an example from New Jersey, um, I think this was during Corzine, they were trying to pass a millionaire's tax, and they called it a millionaire's tax. And when you read that, you assume, okay, if you make more than a million dollars, you pay more taxes. Well, if you read the bill, they were defining a millionaire as someone who makes $250,000 a year year so so they had to pass this bs moderate no we're only going after the rich version to get it passed and of course it goes to everyone else and that's just the left's playbook and to some extent i'm sure we could find republican examples but they're nowhere near as numerous
Oh, that's such a great, that is such a good example of them. By the way, Barb, who's in Ohio in the audience, has all signs in my area pointed to being voted no, but I'm in the rural area. Um, well, well, let's hope, let's hope, Barb, let's hope and see. I mean, but here's the deal. I, I want to pivot to this because that bill you just talked about there is a great picture of who the left is, no doubt. But here's another great visual and audio picture of who the left is. We've all seen this clip. A lot of you have. If you great. have, you're going to see it again. If you haven't, uh, you're welcome. Here's what the libtards on the left look like and act like. Take a look at this. This is this is a Republican person, by the way, passing out information and and uh, why can't I think of the term? But you know, information on helping with the. He's ballots. like a poll watcher person, it, or, yeah, or something. yeah, exactly, person, like yeah. a poll watcher. Like here's some suggestions on a Republican ballot. Take a listen to this, but pay particular close attention to the douche nozzle who walks up in the blue shirt. Now, uh, when you, you fucking people tried to overthrow the election, you might have been, might as well have been walking up to my head on the way to the polling station, putting a gun to my head, trying to tell me not to vote. Do you expect <laughs> me to not to take that fucking personally? You fucking try to overthrow elections with violence, and then you're out here among decent people? Thanks for what coming out. What do you have to there. say, that, huh? What and what's on your fucking what's on your fucking uh, uh, your what are your policy prescriptions? Have a nice day. You've already fucking voted. rapist rights. Yeah. Involving is... yourself in people's fucking families and their fucking bedrooms. It's pretty wild. You fucking animal. You try to steal my vote next year. I'm gonna fucking remember you personally. <laughs> Thank you. In fact, I'm taking a fucking picture. Of you. Taking a picture of you. Is that all right? Yeah, you Permission? can. Yeah. It's a one-party consent bird. state. Shitbird? Yeah, one-party state. You want a fucking one-party country is what you want. Hey, sir, how are you? Headed in to vote? Yeah. Can I get your Republican sample ballot? Um, sure, thank you. You know, try not to be buddy-buddy with these people because they, they put on a, the face of a good neighbor. But they support lynch mobs or the fucking KKK or their fucking Bible beating bigots and freaks. <sighs> they're not good neighbors. They're not good neighbors. I bet you anything, Cargo Shorts is the one who had the yard sign that said, <laughs> wear a mask to save a life. Yes. I mean, how I, freaking dramatic can you be? I've I mean, never seen it. I was saying, I've never seen anyone less intimidating trying to confront people. Like I've seen spaghetti thicker than that guy's arms, and he, his his talk, you could tell he had he was going through adrenaline because he couldn't get the talking points out. It would be like if I was like, "Hey, Drew, uh, I I heard you were mad at uh, at me on your show." Like it was, there was no content. Everything it was just he was just one word at a time was yeah. popping in, and he was like, "All right, we'll go with that." And then at the end, when he was doing the whole "you're racist" or "sexist," it's if I was the guy, the Republican guy, I would feel so bad. I'd be critiquing him and being like, no, those talking points don't work anymore. You might want to pivot to like economics or something or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's just we've heard it 10,000 times. And I'm glad the poll washer didn't engage and try to do the whole, no, I've got a black friend. I'm not racist because they don't care. They're, no, they're they saying that to smear us and incentivize violence against us. They do not actually care or, or necessarily even believe it. No. Like he was, it was almost like he was reading off like a bingo board of insults he's heard on Facebook against Republicans. It was, it was a bizarre encounter. So bizarre. I mean, starting right <laughs> off, you might as well put a gun to my head. Talks about overthrowing elections violently. Talks about the, like you were saying there, 
you know, these folks support lynch mobs in the KKK. Yeah. No, that was actually your party. Correct. Um, you should <laughs> hire me. Maybe just read some some kind of history. But I love I here's what I love about it. I mean, the whole thing is is infuriating. But at the same time, to see him keep trying to leave, but he just can't help himself. Ooh, I just thought of a zinger. And then he'd come back and say something as like, that's what you came back for? Like that. Well, he, he knew he lost. And I mean, to be fair to him, I have had, you know, debates with people where five hours later, I realized like a perfect one liner. And I'm like, oh, man. But I, <laughs> I know it would be cringe inducing to text them, like, hey, by the way, I just thought this up. So yeah, he was clearly, he knew he was defeated, even though he was the, he, he fought against an opponent who didn't fight back, and he still lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing about this guy, and my takeaway from him, is the fact he represents the type of person, the type of shit lib that we see now, that would be like, oh, yeah, I would be a part of the Underground Railroad and, you know, helping, you know, slaves get to the north. It's like— no, you wouldn't. You'd be standing huh. by and saying, well, you know, it maybe let's just, you know, take a breath and see what happens, you know, with the whole North-South thing. and Let's see what's going on. And he would also be the one saying, yeah, if I lived in Nazi Germany, I would have stood up and I would have hid Jews in my house and blah, blah, blah. Mm, no, you wouldn't have. Yeah. You would have been, you know, next to Dachau and you wouldn't have brought up a word about what was going on behind those fences there. So that, that kind of mentality where you have somebody like that, and Matt, you're absolutely right. You could tell in his voice that he was nervous about confrontation, yeah. and you could also tell that motherfucker has never been punched in the face before. Yeah, I could use that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, it's just rambling through those talking points, but it's funny how people like that, now he's going to go back and tell all his friends how he confronted, you know, <laughs> the, this right winger, and, you know, this hate monger, and this and that, and you know, and now all of a sudden he's the hero of the story but you can tell that he's actually the weak he yeah. and the rest of the the left wingers like that are the weak amongst us and what's frightening to me is he's the type of person who would stand by and let everybody who disagreed with the government or with him get rounded up and thrown in prison well, well, we have, well, I mean, the, the mask vaccine rhetoric is a perfect example of that. And then we have October 7th onward, where the exact same people who are calling me a Nazi since uh, Trump came down that es uh, escalator, uh, now all of a sudden are, are shouting genocidal slogans or at the minimum excusing this kind of behavior. So they're not even against anti-Semitism. They're just against it from white people because they see that as politically advantageous. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wish we had time to show the clips of, of, of all the Hamas caucus members on the Hill today, by the way, speaking about everything October 7th and beyond. But I want to get your take on 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 the debates that's happening tomorrow. So we were at the first debate up in Milwaukee. We ate like champs. Uh, it was hot as balls. Um, and then and then it goes to the second one. I forget. Did it drop down one or maybe two people? We have five now, I think. And now it's dropping down to five. And Tom, I just I, settle in for this for a second. Your boy Doug Burgum's not going to be on the stage. That's very disappointing to me. Yeah, I knew. I There's knew. eyebrows at least going to be on the stage. I think that they've arranged a way for his eyebrows to to be there present in Miami. Um, they're they're big in eyebrows on in Miami, but but you're down to five. You got DeSantis, you got Haley, you got Tim Scott, you got Vivek Ramaswamy, and then for the love of God, I don't understand why uh, from from your state 
Uh, Chris oh, Christie made oh, no. made the debate stage. He made the top five. I, you know, we joke around. I'm sorry to interrupt, but we joke around about Doug Bergen. But I got to tell you, man, during the last debate, he made a lot of good points. I, you know, there's a, there's some things about Doug that you know I don't know about yet. But I really liked his answers to the Second Amendment. I thought, you know, he he came across to me at least as a legit guy who was well versed in different different issues that Americans. E- e- find important where uh, getting back to Christie, I just look at Christie is, you know, an overweight assassin who's doing everything he can to try and subvert, you know, Trump's chances. Mm-hmm. And he's going to fail so miserably. He, he really has a 0% chance of succeeding in that, I think. I do too. I mean, he's, he's, he's really one. I, I look, I mean, there's a lot of people, myself included, when he first came onto the scene who are like, oh, he's kind of interesting way back when, you know, mm-hmm. pre-Trump days. 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then that that season went away very quickly. And now he, the fact that they're using him and putting him up there and thinking this is even going to be helpful to anyone is is laughable. It's like this dude is just a straight up joke. Yeah, he when he was governor, like we liked him at first because he would school like the media and then he he you know, the teachers unions hated him, so we just kind of assumed like oh, he was on our side, but then he somehow managed to alienate every possible constituency. And I, I think he was the least popular governor in our entire state's history. So I can't really pivot that to national. Uh, as for the rest of the people on the stage, um, I think Trump's uh, Truth Social post during the first debate really summarized it perfectly, which was, I'm going to go watch the debate so I can pick my VP. And yeah. <laughs> it does kind of feel like that's what the point is. It does. I mean, well, that was my next question. I mean, does this debate yeah. do any of them? But, but you know, talking about tomorrow night's debate, does it even matter? No, I, I got to say the- it does in that in that regard. But does it matter on, on the political scale that the networks and the candidates on the stage think it does? No, I remember on Fox, I got asked out there, like, who do you think is the most like would most appeal to independence? And my response was, uh, who cares? Because they're not going to win. Like, it, it's like whether you like it or not, Trump, the base wants Trump. So when they say like Trumpism has taken over the party, no, it just is the party. I mean, political parties change their platforms every couple of decades in little little ways here and there. And and there was a populist uh, urge that Trump kind of awakened, and and obviously for the better. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it's just true. I mean, it doesn't matter. And it, there's, there's, look, there's people in the audience, who, but not many of them, I don't think, but, but there's some who are like, well, I like this person better, or maybe I'm tired of Trump. Okay. Well, here's the deal. It doesn't matter because that is to your yes. point where things have gone and it doesn't matter because the poll and polls are all bullshit. But I mean, the, the, the gap between in terms of points between these jokers, even even DeSantis, who's been an amazing governor here, I don't. I think that he's kind of screwed the pooch on this. Um, but like, he's he was an amazing governor here. There's such there's universes between him and Trump. So it's like unless yeah. Trump is in prison, not allowed to run, taken off the ballot, which is by the way going to sink our country, you guys don't have a chance in hell. You just don't. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly thought it would be more like 60% Trump, 40% DeSantis. But as I said, my predictions never uh, pan out. So, yeah, Trump is just the overwhelming favorite here. And, and how is it going to be? And whether they like it or not. And and the greatest argument for Trump, like I get some people think like, hey, I'm kind of tired with the guy, is that all of the worst people in the world are working overtime to target him. Yeah. Like I made this argument on OAN the other night that like even if we were to suppose that everything they say about Trump is true criminally, 
it would still be targeted in that, what, you're going to tell me the Clintons don't have dirt that they would come forward? You tell me the Bushes don't, the Obamas don't? Like, every liberal president would have some equivalent, and they never got targeted. And now, obviously, in the Trump case, I think it's all BS, and, and you know, he's sort of you know, double-targeted for that reason. Right. Um, but, but the fact that these people are just so desperate to keep him out of the office tells me there is something about this guy that they see as an existential threat. And uh, I, it's people who I, you know, I want there to be an existential threat to. So yeah, I'm gonna back Trump again. Well, and and here's the deal too on that, Matt. I mean, something that we talk about a lot. I'm curious on your take on this is there is it's double for him because you've never seen a more hated politician, perhaps never a more hated man, at least in in modern times, than him. If if any of these charges were legitimate and and had substance to them. In the recent weeks and months or dating back to when he from, you know, just after he came down the escalator, just after he won, whenever yeah. they deemed him to be this massive threat, if any of them had any credence to them whatsoever, it would be game over because they want him out of the picture that bad. They just but they have nothing. So they're just grasping for straws. Yeah, I remember with Alvin Bragg, he was going after Trump for like an alleged offense five years ago. And I'm thinking. Okay, but if this was really legit and this was hiding out in the open, it somehow took five years to find out. Or, or like with the New York civil case, I mean, they valued Mar-a-Lago at $18 million, but back in 1985, Trump bought it for $20 million. So yeah, that's $20 million in $1985, by the way, which is probably closer to like 50 or $60 million today. So unless you think real estate goes down by two-thirds of its value since the 80s, uh, the judge is completely clueless. So then, of course, you know, the, the adjacent plot of land is worth like hundreds of millions. So, right. But just—and then actually one more last point on him. There was an amazing moment yesterday when Trump was on the stand, and he was you know, justifying the valuation of one of his properties, and he started to mention the location of the property, and the judge cut him off and said the location's irrelevant. And I'm like, the, the oldest cliche in real estate is location, location, location. It's the first rule of real estate, and he's saying it's not relevant. Yeah. So this is what we're up against. That That's, yeah. And, and you know what's sad? Is he believes it too? It's Correct. it's, it's yeah. it, that 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 is what we're up against. That is the level of stupidity on the other side. It's freaking remarkable. Um, okay, so let's just play devil's advocate here, and and it could be devil's advocate could be translation. Who 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 stands to to perform the best and possibly be Trump's VP? But of the people on the stage tomorrow night, who who does stand to win the most? I'm not saying they're going to win the election or the nomination. They're not going to. But who stands to win the most? from the exposure they're going to get. I mean, I guess technically it would have to be Chris Christie because he's polling at like 0.1%. So <laughs> it's by percent increase, he'll might get the most. Um, I'm gonna be straight with you guys. I don't even know who's gonna be on the stage. I've already lost track of who's running for president. <laughs> there are people who drop out of president or out of the race where when I see the headline, I have to put the headline on my junior report like, person you don't you didn't know existed five minutes ago drops out of race. Like that. Yeah. that's the extent we're at right now. So I know there's Vivek. Haley, DeSantis. Did I say Christie already? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. By, by by talking about the percentage point. Yep. Okay. All right. So we're at three to four. Anyway. So I, I I'm Scott. totally clueless on this. Scott, yeah, Scott I, yeah. I didn't know that one. I forgot that one already. So yep. so. <laughs> I don't know. So proportionally, Chris Christie, um, Vivek is actually the most polished, but he's polished to an extent where I just feel like it's rehearsed. I um, so it, it's too. <sighs> It's too much. If, if he had never flip-flopped in every possible issue, I'd buy it, but 
it, I don't know. It just kind of gives it away. Yeah, I, I, I agree. As you listen to him more and you start to dig into him, like, and not like dig in deep dive, like just barely scratch the surface, I think it, it, you should come away with that. This, there's something off about this dude. Yeah. It's, it seems like he's playing a role. He's playing a part. He's whatever the case might be, just not genuine. Yeah. Uh, and it's a shame because there was there was some initial excitement. I remember kind of being like, all right, I'll, I'll watch. Yeah. I'll watch I know. the excitement. That's when he became Vivek Rama Yummy to me. <laughs> And then that all went away. <laughs> that didn't last long. I just I just hoped in this next debate that we get more of Tim Scott and Nikki Haley yelling about drapes. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the last debate. <laughs> all right, so here, here's here's a, a, and then I want to see what's going on with you and let people know where they can follow you. But sure. do you think do you think Trump goes to prison? It's so tough because the thing that is unfortunate is all these trials are in cities where, that are overwhelmingly liberal. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering though, like, could you like, I I don't know. I feel like if I didn't have a public profile, I would just lie to get on the jury so I could exonerate the guy. But I I don't know. Like, what are the odds of you finding one Republican in that group? I mean, out of nine people, I know it's it's tough to think about. Like, I. I don't want to sound pessimistic, but I, it, the, it's so coordinated, the attacks. And it's like some of them are just so obviously BS. Right. But there's one where it could just be you get a really bad jury that's far left and the charges don't really stick, but they don't like Trump, so they want to do something. Um, but, but then I guess I, I don't know then, but it could backfire in that it does look targeted and people might vote for Trump in jail. I mean, Eugene Debs ran for president from jail and got quite a lot of votes himself. So yeah. he could do that, you know. No, it does. It doesn't preclude it, you know. In theory, from continuing on, the the, the fight yeah. goes on. There was someone today, and I don't know if they were talking to Jesse Kelly or who they were talking to, but they were talking about they'll. But they'll never do that because then they have to figure out Secret Service, and it would be a logistical nightmare having him yeah, in prison. We'll it's like, do you understand who the other side is and how they play? Yeah. Like, they, <laughs> they 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 love the thought of that. They they would do yeah. it in a absolute instant if they could. And and sadly, you know, DC jury. Some of these places you're looking at, it, the, the the odds are stacked against him for sure. Um, but but it also could backfire to your point, and we can have our first because that the, the, you know in the past that the person who ran yeah. didn't win. I think Trump could actually pull it off. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't so. know though. Can you can you pardon yourself on? I don't think you can pardon yourself on state charges though. I so. Don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so his best bet, I guess, would probably just be to delay the trials until after the election, arguing interference, which I, I think he's been doing currently. But that yeah. would probably be the best bet. What you uh, say, Tom? <laughs> Uh, I lost my train. Okay, of thought, no, sorry. you're fine. No, I just thought you know, it, it, I, I, my own personal feeling, and I, I remember what I was going with. My personal feeling, though, is if Trump does land behind bars, there's going to be a lot of people out there who feel like the system has always been rigged against them. And I think some of them might be swayed going, he's getting screwed over by the same system that has screwed me over, has screwed my family members over. And I think that might actually end up being a benefit. That could happen. You know, I was, I was reading an article recently about this German political party. It's pretty controversial called Alternative for Germany and their rise in support. And they polled their supporters and to see like, you know, is it the foreign ideology? Like, why would this appeal to you? And 80% said they only were supporting them because it was a middle finger to the establishment. So people do actually think in those terms. 
Um, and, and yeah, I think to your point, it could help Trump uh, in the end. Although, obviously, I, I hope the guy does not go to jail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. obviously. No, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. beyond, be, be, I mean, <laughs> there's so many reasons. I mean, beyond the fact that it just would be ridiculous and absurd and and change things a lot with the, the election and all of that. But I, I really do think it would spiral our country into further chaos. Mm -hmm. I don't think people would be making great decisions <laughs> exactly if if that happened, uh, which obviously is not good. And uh, I, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, but, Matt, what's what's the latest with you? Obviously, you've written – how many books? Like 700 now? I think it's four uh, it's or like five. like eight or something. Eight. I'm kind of done forever now. Are you? Which means until like which means until like next year, maybe. Okay. All right. So you, you'll get the forever. itch. It's going to come. You're going to have a little bit of quieter time around the holidays. You're going to be like, I yeah, should write but... something again. Um, but you, you have. You've written lots of books. Uh, hopefully, a lot of you guys have, have read them. Disco, we can pop up some examples there of, of some of them. But hopefully, you've read uh, some of Matt's books and see what he's doing. You've got the, the man behind the curtain. You've done a lot of amazing work on all the Soros stuff. You've got Dumb and Dumber. Nice. You've got, there you go, fact-checking the fact-checkers. Debunk this. Um, just a few, just a few examples. So check those out if you haven't already. Go to, what's the best place for people to get a book? Uh, probably Amazon. Um, although if you just Google any, I know a lot of people don't like to support Amazon. So if you just Google any title individually, Barnes & Noble should have them or like all those other booksellers that no one uses like Books A Million, but they're all there. I don't know how those people have stayed in business, by the way. Um, Nor do I. But but I, you know, and I'm and I'm cheering for them. I'm not rooting. I, I love brick and mortar stores staying alive, but I, I don't really know how they do it. Um, I, I do kind of want now like a big ass chocolate chip cookie and like a coffee at Books a Million or Barnes and Noble. That sounds amazing. Um, we'll we'll work on that. Um, but but yeah. So 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 you're you're kind of in a dead season on books. We're gonna have to, when you yes. when you decide because it's gonna happen that you're gonna do another one. We'll have you back and we'll talk about what it's gonna be. Uh, where's the best place? So obviously go to BonginoReport.com. Yes. Um, where, where's the best place to follow some of the other work that you're involved in and just your commentary online? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at MattPolumbo12. Um, and then I write two articles a day for Dan Bongino's newsletter. Um, so they're on his site, Bongino.com. Um, and then obviously if you subscribe to the podcast, I think they actually probably get sent to you directly. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much it now. The last book was was fact checking the fact checkers. Um, although the Soros one is is selling more than every other one combined, it has been for like a year now. So I'm just kind of still running with that one, to be honest. I love well, and 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 you should. I mean, the, yeah. the there's some heat on it, and and I mean, it's so important because a lot of people really don't understand all that's going on there. And I said I was done with questions. I'll ask you now. Are, does Alex Soros con concern you more than George? Um. Yes, in that he's definitely like it's, you know, just intuitively every generation seems to become more progressive and kooky. So that kind of worries me. Um, the only thing we have in our favor is that I do think he has some sort of aversion to be made into the boogeyman that his father is. And that uh, when he announced he was taking over his father's empire, he put some like hedging comments in there where he was saying things like, yeah, I think the left has gone too far on free speech and that, those kind of things. And, you know, my, I remember I, I was asked my response to that and I'm thinking, well, okay, spend millions of dollars on that. Like you do everything else and then I'll believe you. But, but you know, everything he's doing so far is literally just a continuation of what his father has been doing. Um, and is very active in, in Ukraine right now when, and you know, I'm, I'm sure some of our tax dollars are, are somehow being siphoned there. Um, he's very active in Albania, which obviously is another country that has a, a reputation for corruption. Um, in fact, I actually, I, I visited the country about a year and a half ago, and he was in the same hotel as me. And 
I'm not kidding. So I was trying to like see if I could meet the guy. Like I was trying to contact him through his uh, uh, his his website, and obviously he knows who I am, so he never responded. So I I asked the front desk people. I'm like, I'm sorry if this is weird, but can you like somehow put me in touch with Alex Soros? And they're like, we can't give you his room number, but if you go to the 19th floor, just knock on every door. And I was like, I'm not doing that because I don't speak Albanian and it's going to be awkward like 99 out of 100 of the times. And then, and then I'm like, what do I do when he opens it? I'm like, surprise, you know? So so I didn't end up meeting him, obviously. I didn't want to be a creep. But uh, I, I, the book I'm going to write in one eternity from now, I do want to be about him. And, and I am trying to get in contact with him just to kind of get his perspective. I mean, I don't want to misrepresent anyone, but... Um, yeah, I'm sure what he'll tell me will be BS anyway, but I'll, I'll at least get his, 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 his take. It'd be interesting to get his take nonetheless. Yeah, for yeah. sure. All right. Well, we'll be waiting for that one. Um, I mean, maybe next time, I mean, you got to put yourself out there, but you're cold, you're wet, you're, you're naked and you're shivering and you're knocking and you try and get someone to let you in. I know that's just a weird scene for everyone. That's happened to me a lot in hotels. Story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, we appreciate you coming by. Thanks so much for hanging out with us and sharing your wisdom on all this as always. I uh, hope you have a great night and uh, a great, if we don't see you before, a great Thanksgiving and all the stuff that's coming up here and we'll definitely have you back. Awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah. Have a great night. Thanks. All right, folks, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. Make sure you're going to BonginoReport.com. Check out Bongino.com. Two different sites, uh, all very Bongino, uh, but but make sure you check him out. Uh, we love we love Matt. We love Dan. We love everything that's going on over there. And then check out his books. Man, the, he's one of the smartest dudes I know. Um, he just He's just sharp as a tack. Uh, and then we're going to pivot from someone who's sharp as a tack into our question of the day. Uh, which is rather random. But I want you to think about this. So take this question into the break and think about it. If you had to turn one war movie into a musical, which one would it be? Ooh. Do those mental gymnastics. Get me an answer. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll share our responses. I have no freaking clue what I'm going to say on it. Uh, but I can't wait to figure out what I do say. I'm dying to hear what Tom Cunningham says. <laughs> and I'm dying to hear what all of you guys say. Again, the question is, if you had to turn one war movie into a musical, which one would it be? Send your responses in. We'll be right back after a quick break. Interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. 
Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number two USA Gold. Yes, call now. 833-287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. Never miss an episode and experience the best live in-show engagement with Drew and the crew on Rumble. Be sure to subscribe to Drew's channel to be notified each time he goes live for the best commentary, the best skits, and outstanding guests on the issues that matter to you. You can do so on the Rumble app by searching Drew Berquist, then click subscribe, or by visiting rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist on your web browser. My business partner, Jim, and I uh, started Thistle Creek Reserve because we wanted to bring glory to God. We want to be Christ-centered seven days a week, 365 days a year. Our coffee is produced all around the world, some from Papua New Guinea, South America, and Guatemala, Brazil, for example. Beyond the Cup is it's our life motto. It's our way to give back, and it's, for us, our charitable partners. Uh, we partner with the Tim Tebow uh, Akoa Philippi project to help rescue women and children from sex trafficking. Uh, we partner with Seamark Ranch, a uh, foster care community to help show the love of Christ to children uh, who've really just been abandoned by their families. One of the things that we do is we go back and we support the missionaries that we help get our coffee from so that they can build churches and uh, schools and hospitals and dig wells so that everybody has fresh and clean water. We stand on core conservative Christian values, and we will never shy away from that. But that doesn't mean that we don't love our friends that are across the aisle. We love them all, we wanna serve good coffee to them all, and we want them to know that there's somebody who might not think like they do, that's willing to love them anyway and have a conversation with them. Welcome back. Reminder, question of the day. If you had to turn one war movie into a musical, which one would it be? It's a rather peculiar question, no doubt, uh, but I think it's a good one. I think it's an important one for humanity, and I it think is. we should address it right now. Uh, let's get into some answers here. Uh, Tropic Thunder says Fed Dude. That'd be great. Yeah, that, that's could, a that, good one. That could be good. Also, um, uh, well, not also, but GFX coming in, the Dirty Dozen. 
I like it. We've got a Rambo from Barb. Full Metal Jacket, says R&D, <laughs> or RN Data 5. Um, Forrest Gump, says Bill Fish Crazy. Uh, th that's, I like that. Saving Private Ryan or PT-109, says Judy. Okay. Nice. I can see those. Yeah. Apocalypse Now. Ginger agrees with Full Metal Jacket. Red Dawn. <laughs> That's, um, and then also the the very true and sad point of too bad Swayze's gone. Um, what else do we got here? Let's look at some other answers. Keep sending them in. Let's go to Tom's. What are you going to go with? My initial reaction would have been Green Berets because you have the title song already made. So that okay. would that, but that seemed like too much low hanging fruit. I'm going to have to agree with Apocalypse Now because I think there's so many iconic lines in there that you could turn into songs or, or dance numbers, like uh, Charlie Don't Surf. I think that would be <laughs> a tremendous song and dance number to have. But the length of it, you know, we're three hours, we're talking an opus. You know, it just wouldn't be like dinner theater having Apocalypse Now. It would be, you know, there'd have to be, a, you know, a couple of intermissions and, you know, get back to it. Because you don't want to take away from the original length of the film. So you'd have to, you know, bridge that gap to bring it on stage. Okay. All right. That's a solid answer. We got Hamburger Hill that came in. Also, that's solid. Um, and then GFX coming back with another one, Predator One. That would yeah. be great. Um, <laughs> that's that. I mean, I mean, I, honestly, I this random ass question came to me this afternoon, and then I couldn't think of an answer. I like I like concepts of um, a Full Metal Jacket. I, I like some of those answers. I think that's I like good. the idea. Of Saving Private Ryan, because you could you imagine the Fubar song? Did you put the U two um, delay on your like like on your guitar <laughs> on your microphone? You trying to be edge with your guitar? No, I, I realized what it is. Is it gone now? Yeah, it's gone now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was, oh, what's your major malfunction? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, but, uh, the Fubar song, I think, would be answer, great. Just because I you were you were like saying it seven times. Oh, sorry. Uh, Saving Private Ryan for me because yeah, just the Fubar song would be great when they're trying to describe what Fubar means. Yeah, <laughs> that would be good. That would be a yeah. good scene. That'd be a good scene, no doubt. Um, I could also see, you know, in the beginning, Bangalore's when he's Tom Hanks is calling for the Bangalore. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Bangalore's, Bangalore's. <laughs> oh, what am I gonna go with? Hmm. You know, H Hacksaw Ridge would be another good one. I could. Hacksaw see. Ridge would be good. Part of me thinks like Hurt Locker could be interesting, just because you're like dancing around explosives like is it going to go off is it not you've got to i mean obviously with all of these you're feminizing the shit out of them um that one that one could be interesting i, I do like saving private ryan though because <laughs> there's there's so much meat on that bone i think i'm going saving private ryan all right, let's get uh, Lin Mel. Lin Mel, I can't. I can't pronounce his name. Miranda. Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, let's get him on the phone and you know give him a pitch. We'll have a pitch meeting with yeah. him. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, I see it happening. I think it's at this point probably a done deal. Um, totally. So 
Well, I mean, or do you go comedy musical like the producer Springtime for Hitler, you know, from that one? Well, someone said the producers earlier, um, which which was which was a good answer. You know, you could go Hot Shots Part Two. Um, but I, I'm sticking. I, I mean, the, the thought is, is you got to have a real serious one with a bunch of dudes. Then all of a sudden it's just flamboyant as shit. Right. And I, I think see, that's why I go to Apocalypse Now, because I feel like the characters in there it may have been the actors just had such brilliant portrayals of, of, of the characters that that they created on screen. You know, the the uh, Duval character, the, um, you know, of course, uh, Colonel Kurtz. um they just they were all like very iconic whereas i'd love you know saving private ryan but there was just something about tom hanks it just it did as good as it was it was like man he killed it but i don't think he killed it as well as somebody else would have killed that role Hmm. okay See, I thought he was good. I thought he was good. No, I, I'm not saying I thought so, he, it was a great, great performance. Yeah. But I, I think that you know it's somebody else, you know, like a Martin Sheen esque sort of person who brings a lot more. Just to me is, you know, who would have been really good at that would have been Gary Oldman. I would have really loved Gary. To see he's good yeah, at any. He would have been great. Yeah. yeah. God, or we, Dustin Hoffman. I need to get Gary Oldman great. on the show. It's about damn time, Gary. You get your ass on this couch, and you get your ass there now. Dude, Drexel from, um, uh, oh, God, what was that movie? True Romance? One of the greatest bad guys ever that had the smallest part in that. Remember True Romance? No. With Christian Slater? Oh, yeah, with Christian Slater. Okay, yeah, I, was, I, I thought you were not referencing it because it was a Christian Slater movie. No, and he played the part of Drexel. It was the first movie that um, uh, Quentin Tarantino had written. He didn't okay. direct it, but he wrote it. And Drexel, Gary Oldman, played this character who ran the uh, whorehouse in Detroit where Christian Slater character was going to get Alabama and rescue her from the grips of this pimp. And... He just dominated that scene. He, he was just tremendous in it. And that's one of the characters that I really wished that they would have gone back and done a whole film about this Drexel character. Because I feel like I didn't get enough Drexel on screen. Okay. All right. Well, I got I to go back and watch that. I haven't seen that <laughs> since it came out. Christian Slater. Don't see enough of him anymore. Dennis Hopper's in it. Mm-hmm. Bridge on the River Kwai, dancing Japanese can't beat that. All right, we got again glorious bastards. We got some good answers coming through. You guys keep sending your answers. Ooh, in. inglorious bastards! Now, now That's a good one. we're on to something. Yeah. Hmm. Well, staying with Brad Pitt, like, do you go Fury? Like they're in a tank and they're they're going through. I mean, there's just there's some interesting. I mean, there's some interesting. This is this is a question that's really it's supposed to marinate for days. What about like the Patriot or Dances with Wolves? I, there's not a. I feel like dances with. Well, I mean, I guess you could, but I feel like that was a good movie. That was s- slow. Uh, I don't know. That, that, yeah, that spice it up since it was a slow movie. Hey, we're gonna do a musical version. <laughs> Riding around though. singing. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. <clears throat> 
Let's continue on with the show. Let's get to uh, let's actually get to some 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 world news here uh, because there's a lot going on overseas. I don't know if you've paid attention, but uh, the world's on the brink of war everywhere. Not on the brink of war, at war everywhere. We've got some updates on it. Let's do some world news. So United States foreign policy, if you will, is now it's 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 run like a dating app. Every few months it's time to start swiping right, find a new piece of ass to dazzle with cash, have our way with politically, financially, all of that. And Ukraine was a new tender morsel that kind of tickled, you know, the prostate of DC's war picks like driving fast over an unexpected dip in the road. Tingles the fun button just for a second, and then all of a sudden the tingle is its gone. It's not there anymore. Same with Ukraine. She was fresh, new, the dashing little dictator. And you know who fell in love? The enemy class. They loved it. It's a magical time, replete with massive amounts of money, choreographed photo ops, complete with air raid sirens, the whole thing. It was an illustrious time for the neocons and the progressives. But like an unwashed pervert, amped up on Viagra and Adderall, trolling the video boost in an adult superstore looking for that one route that he's never seen peeking through a glory hole, it's time for the U.S. to change its focus to more seductive piece of trim who will last longer. And what better place than the warm desert winds of the Mideast with the potential for a threesome between Madame Israel and Lady Hamas? That's where we are. Sorry, Vladimir, Mr. Zelensky. The money train has been diverted to a sandier pasture where two ladies will fight to the end. It's been real, Ukraine. We'll always have the most destructive environmental disaster in history. We can lean back on that, right? A trans spokesperson who helped push the LGBTQ agenda for people who didn't realize they needed it. And onward we go to Israel and Hamas. By the way, speaking of Zelensky, here he, here he was with, with all of this changing, everything changing, the carpet being pulled out from beneath him. Here was his one last plea for cash. Take a listen. If you can't give us, can't give us some financial support, okay, okay, please give us a credit and we will give you back money after the war. <laughs> Love it. Okay. All right. My friends. You're not going to give us free cash anymore. Give us a loan. We're good for it. He, he sounds like uh, <laughs> sounds like a crackhead who just smoked up all his rock. Is pleading with his dealer for like an extra couple rocks until his disability check comes in. Hit your yeah. It's like it, he just sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, man, you know, I just need one more hit, man. You know, I'm good for it. The, che the check's coming in, man. Come on, come on. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm shivering, man. Come on, help me. You, you know me. You know I'm good for it. Yeah. That's, that's, what, it, that's what it sounds like to me. That's pretty much it. I think that's it. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. 
He's, it's remarkable. Now, keep in mind, Biden is still pushing. There was a request today or a push today, this last this week, that was going forward to get more money for Ukraine. You've seen him and others say we're not going to give money to Israel on its own. It's got to be a package deal so everyone gets money and we can launder money in multiple locations. But but man, here's what this tells you. It te- One, it tells you the U.S. focuses on, on one primary shiny object. It's not to say that we don't do other things, but focus on a sh- shiny object. Right now, the shiny object is where can we make more for the military-industrial complex? Where can we get more young sons and daughters killed over here, over there in Israel, in the Middle East? Okay, cool. We'll do it. We're in. But it also tells me he doesn't have enough money to buy his own safety and that he knows he's a dead man once our dark operators haul ass to the Mideast, which they're doing as we speak. He's literally shitting in his tactical pants and his Gucci heels. And he knows, Zelensky does, that, that Putin has a long memory and will exact revenge on everyone in his orbit, him included. Look what he did to the Wagner Group guy. Yes. <laughs> and if Zelensky thinks that he's going to get off scot-free, <laughs> and the Wagner Group <laughs> was employed by Putin. <laughs> right. I mean— The this, guy's cold-blooded killer. He is. He is. You might, you, you might not like him. You might not support <laughs> his ways or methods, but we can all agree he is that. Yeah. He is that, he does remember, and he will straight up murder you. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it goes. Sorry, Z-Man. You Look, you've, I, I know from these experiences in the past, I know from us propping up leaders and, and, and commanders and places all over the world, and I know how much money you've made, and you've made a lot, and you've gotten a lot of notoriety. But that only gets you so far, because everything is about to change. And I say that, everything's about to change— or, or is it not? Because you see what, what's happened over the last, I don't know, 24, 48 hours. Obviously, lead up to the last 24, 48 hours, and then more specifically, the last 24, 48 hours. It seems like the fun times in Europe may not actually be over. Because you've got NATO, the U.S., and Russia suspending... A, a treaty, pull, Russia, in, in the case of Russia, pulling out of it, that limits conventional forces in Russia. It was negotiated during the final years of the Cold War. The Conventional Armed Forces in Europe Treaty, seems like a long-ass name, probably could have shortened that, <laughs> is often referred to as the cornerstone of European security. It was signed back on November 19th of 1990 and eliminated the Soviet Union's overwhelming, overwhelming quantitative advantage in conventional weapons in Europe by setting equal limits on the number of tanks, armored combat vehicles, heavy artillery, combat aircraft, and attack helicopters that NATO and the Warsaw Pact could deploy between the Atlantic Ocean and the Ural Mountains. This means that the treaty set a specific limit on tanks, armored combat vehicles, all those things I just listed, collectively referred to as treaty-limited equipment that it, that it can deploy in the areas the treaties area of application, which covers the area, again, between the Atlantic Ocean and the Ural Mountains. So you, you've got all of this happening, and you had Russia pull out, I believe it was on Tuesday. Was it? Um, I think it was on Tuesday that they officially pulled out. And then you had the United States and NATO say, we're suspending our involvement in it, too. Oh, yeah, bitch, that's what you're doing? We're backing out, too. There's no more rules the war zone, the battlefield is your oyster. Do whatever you want. May the best man win. That's the, the Cliff Notes version of what happened 
this week with with that going on. But that, I mean, that should be, and people, well, that's an old school thing, and it's, uh, you know, look, guys, this this should be concerning to everyone. People, most of you didn't come into the show tonight thinking about the conventional armed forces in Europe treaty. I get it. It's been 33 years since it was signed. A lot has happened since then. A lot has changed. But it is important because you see Russia pull out and then you see NATO and the U.S. And we, keep in mind, too, our side likes to play by the rules like a bunch of little bitches. And you see us back out and say, well, we're not going to do that anymore. If you're not going to do it, this is how we're going to play it. And and what it should say is to you, the, the message you should be getting right now is that it, it's an increased likelihood, increased opportunity for a two-front war to be going on. And you can say that's already happening, and you're right on that, but we're talking about a more substantial, hot two-front war. Yeah, and where are we going to get the people? Right. <laughs> you know, recruiting is at all-time low. We have this now, you know, CRT being introduced into the military. You have people who are in who are like, fuck this shit, I'm getting out of here. You have parents who were former military telling their kids, this ain't the same military I was in. I would advise for you not to get into this because right now, these people who are running it are a hot mess. Right. And they're going to get you into a situation that you shouldn't be in because of their stupidity and their greed. Yeah. Period. End of story. Well, and, and speaking of people getting us into stuff, you've got two... Well, top, not 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 two, excuse me, top U.S. senators who said over the weekend that they're introducing a bipartisan resolution. I referred to this earlier, calling for military strikes against Iran. Just l listen to that again. A bipartisan solution, resolution in this case, but solution in the case of them, calling for military strikes against Iran if its terror proxies, which there are many in the Middle East, kill any U.S. soldiers— We've had one contractor killed already, I think 46 wounded, or, so that's scenario one, or if Hezbollah opens up a second front against Israel and, and fighting starts on the northern front of Israel. And guess who the two senators were that said this? Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell the people. You guessed, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the less... He's prominent, but maybe less surprising one for... They're both not surprising, but it was Richard Blumenthal. Who lied about his service in Vietnam. Yep. I think that everybody should remember that. And then it was Lady Lindsey Graham. Of course. Never met a war he didn't love. Yeah. Or a cock. <laughs> um, so Lady Graham said in an interview, quote, it basically says, talking about this bipartisan resolution... If the war expands, if Hezbollah opens up a second front in the north against Israel, Israel in a substantial way to overwhelm Iron Dome, then we should hit the Islamic Republic of Iran. There is no Hamas without the Ayatollah's support. There is no Hezbollah without the Ayatollah's support. The great Satan in the region is not Israel or the United States. It's Iran. And he's look, he's not wrong about that particular last part of the statement there. He's 100 percent correct. But, With that statement, yes, but go ahead. Well, but that's not that's not what we need or want collectively. Like that, <laughs> exactly. This, this, there's there's different ways you can do this. Uh, and and well, let me let's let's finish what else he said, and then we can get into our discussion. Because he said that he he Lady Graham and Blumenthal came back from the region 
and that Israel had begged them to deter Iran from entering the war as they deal with wiping out Hamas terrorists inside of Gaza. He then went on to say, Lady Graham, quote, if any of our troops are killed in Syria and Iraq by Iranian-backed militias, I think that that's an expansion of the war. So the resolution puts Iran on notice that all of this military force in the region will be coming after you if you expand this war by activating Hezbollah or killing an American through your proxies in Syria and Iraq. And they need to hear that. They need to believe that. So you see these guys pushing this and, and, and understand this. What he's talking about, and, and specifically in those two quotes there, there's, there's not a lot that you can really pick on that much because you're saying Iran is, is the great Satan, not the United States or Israel. True. You're saying if you kill our people, there's going to be consequences. That should be true. And everyone, but here's the problem is everyone gets roped into that, right? Sucked in emotionally. And they're like, yeah, you know what? If you kill one of us, we're going to, we're going to kill you. And if it's me, I'm saying we're going to kill 10 of you, you know, up the ante. Don't just, don't just settle for like eye for an eye. Like you can do better than that. But so everyone gets tied in emotionally there. But the problem is, is it's not, it's not that simple. And they're not doing it for those just reasons. This is, this is a money play for them. This is, this is all about the military industrial complex. This is about so much more than justice. They make it seem like it's, this is, this is about doing the right thing and taking care of our people and defending our people. But really it's how do we get into another war? How do we spend more money? How do we launder more money? And how do we see a bunch of flag draped coffins come back home? Because that to them spells this. That's cash for you listening in your car. That's what it is. That's the goal. And it sounds so sick and disturbing, but you start, and I used to, <clears throat> look, I used to be among the people who would read those statements or hear those statements and be like, hell yeah, I'm on board. I went and did it for a living, people. But <laughs> times have changed, and you look at who they are, and you now, look at what happens behind the scenes in these conflicts, and it's like, Okay, we're all getting played. We're all getting played. And, and that's not to say that we shouldn't defend Israel and do the right thing and all that. I'm not saying that. But they look at it in a different—we all agree there. It's where it goes from there. Should we do the right thing? Should we help people in need who are our allies? Yes. You can't say any of that, by the way, for Ukraine and Russia, just for the Israel part. <coughs> Excuse me. But then from there, it, it expands, and they're like, oh, and— <laughs> Think about how much we could get paid on this. Think about how we could scratch that guy's belly over there, how we could scratch his back. If you're Lady Graham, we could rub this dude off, like whatever the case might be. And it goes to these next levels behind closed door that, that are not good for anyone. No, they're not good for anyone. And what they're doing is they're playing on emotions. They have a long-term strategy of what they want to do. And it all sounds good. It's like, you kill one of ours, we're going to kill 10 of yours. We're... Uh, we all agree with that. But what is more nefarious about what Lindsey Graham and Dick Blumenthal are doing is the fact that it's going to get us even further into a conflict or a war with Iran. And you can just see this happening. We, we saw it happen with Afghanistan and with Iraq. Remember in Iraq after Blackwater Bridge when they killed the security contractors? To me, that marked a turning point 
in the whole war there, because then we then the insurgency was introduced. And even though we were Blackwater, Blackwater contractors, it gave the insurgents the ability to use those tactics against our troops. And then we saw an increase of roadside bombs, ambushes, everything that was going on from that point on. What happens after that, and you know, I've have never been in the military. I've been I've been to Afghanistan twice. I've been in combat situations with troops on the ground there, and I've gotten a feel for what it's like to be in combat with being with these guys out on patrol, getting in firefights, and documenting what goes on. And what I can tell you is when you're fighting along somebody who gets injured or killed, that entire unit wants to exact some sort of revenge. And so you you run into this cycle, and that's what politicians are placing a lot of their bets on, is the fact that once we do get into the situation, you just can't pull out because your buddy is dead. Right. There needs to be revenge for your buddy's death. And then, then it, all of a sudden it comes down—then it becomes the people on the front lines who are actually doing, going out and engaging the enemy— they have a bigger stake in it now because now it's personal to them. And they're they are not gonna turn their back until they think justice is done. And that's the sick, perverse wheel that the politicians use to play on the emotions of 18, 19, 20 year olds, and in some cases 30 year olds who are in specialized units. That's what that's the sick game that these politicians play. It is. It is. And and it works. I mean, obviously that's why they keep going back to it. Right. It, it, it has to work. Right. Well, you know, is better than anybody, and I've seen it with the group dynamics that I was with, that, you know, when you live, eat, and fight with the same people for, you know, six to 12 months at a time, it, it, that becomes your family, and you're going to do anything to protect your family. And so, of course, they're yeah. going to react the way that they react. And there it just in the politicians know that and that's the thing that makes me most sick about people like Lindsey Graham and Dick Blumenthal yeah well and what's ridiculous about it too is they play both sides like I'm, I won't go into all the details here but I just referencing your point of getting people excited and emotionally charged and revenge is I came in on the heels uh of of Operation Red Wings and and stuff that happened in Lone Survivor and our group i was with seals was was i was not a seal i was with them i was i was embedded with them and our our focus was one and two kill osama bin laden and ayman el zawahiri but it was which was supposed to be primary and that but but secondary was find who did all this we knew who some of them were and and kill them and fuck all them up and 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 capture some equipment and stuff back from from what happened there and you do you do all that but then here's the here's the sick sadistic part about it is somehow these people back in dc still are able to to pull strings and have some power and authority over stuff that happens even though they're not specifically in in that world and they get you all fired up and you do and by the way they don't you don't need to get fired up if that happens if you have a a teammate or a colleague get killed you 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 want to just go kill everyone and and in a perfect world you get to do it but but then they get in your way all right here's the deal here's where these people are here's what's going on here 
here's what we're gonna do here's the here's the opcon here's the plan um and and then it gets shut down no <laughs> no these these ones are not to be touched i know they're the enemies you know last month but now they're our colleagues yes and it's infuriating infuriating these people are the worst the worst. I, I encourage everyone get a, get a grinder account. Go on and just troll Lindsey Graham, <laughs> and just tease him. Send him some pics, and just get him excited, and then just blue ball the shit out of him. That's 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 my encouragement to you. Don't support getting into wars. Support blue balling Lindsey Graham. Do we, let's do a shirt that ties in somehow to that. It seems like it's probably going to be complicated, but we'll figure it out. Figure it out. Um, so you can't fight a war though. You've got Lindsey Graham and Blumenthal and all of these, these folks in DC who want to get us into 700 wars and, and be sending chaplains to people's homes, colleagues to people's homes to, to, to share awful news. And you, you, so you've got that, but what do you need? First of all, you need weapons and equipment you need fuel which we're, we're short on all of those things but you of course also need personnel and as tom you referenced it earlier recruiting is way down it's way down i wonder why i wonder if the wokeness and and the very overt and deliberate efforts to root out meat eaters and pipe hitters from the military has anything to do with it just a thought but you've got that, and you, you need folks now with, with all of this going on. I mean, the potential for two—let's I mean, uh, let let's just be honest. We're in a two-front war right now. Yes, they're proxy wars, but we are on a two-front war. And and that's that's being very generous because we're involved in lots of other stuff that people don't know about all around the globe. Soon to be three-front war with all the guys of fighting age we've imported. Yes, and then you had China and Taiwan make it four. I mean, it's a multiple, multiple front war. But what's so interesting is you've got this. You've got this recruiting that's down. It's because of wokeness and this diversion, you know, uh, diversity and equity crap that they've been pushing and, and inclusion. And as all this pops up, you see, and you maybe saw this ad today. We're going to play it anyways if you did. All this pops up. You see... The United States Army's new ad, and, and I'm glad over the last couple of years here they've gone back to be all you can be and, and kind of gone back to some stuff just because I'm a nostalgic guy. But, like, this new ad celebrates the white warrior and encourages more white people to join. You're like, that sounds ridiculous. Well, think about the other ads you've seen lately. Hey. It's a transgender <laughs> person. It's a LG, It's whatever. It's not what you've grown accustomed to over the years. But the deal is this, is whiteness is only toxic when there isn't high-risk shit to do. And right now there is. So here's, here's the Army's latest racist ad. criticizing the ad here's here's what we're bringing light to and bringing attention to the left is so transparent 
it's not just with this issue it's with a lot but as it pertains to this issue they shit on conservative white males until it's time to fight the left's bullshit wars mm-hmm. and that's what you're seeing here there was there was and there's and 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 think what you want but the the truth of the matter is most of the commercials in all the different military branches as of late have been woke let's make sure that we've cast it right black person gay person you dress like a puppy you do this and then go and scene and that's it this was just old school a bunch of white young kids on a ch-47 Flying, which is a death trap. Um, and none of them had guns either. Yes, none of them had guns. They had no rifles, no yes. nothing. Good luck, son. Um, but you, you know, it's just, it, but it's more. It had the more traditional feel. Right. Had the more traditional feel, and there's been lots of buzz about it on social media. But I feel like it's it's probably just going to live in the conservative echo chambers on social media. No one else is going to pay attention to it and be like. Why are we pushing this now? Because the last week, last week you were pushing stuff that was nonsensical. Now you're pushing this. And the only reason you're doing that is because you need to increase your numbers. And you need to do it fast because you're about to get us into a bunch of wars. Right. Well, white people still make up 70% of the population. And it, 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 you can't. And what the left has been doing over the last three years or last six years is try and marginalize white people. You know, make them a pariah. But now that they see that, oh, war is back in vogue, man, we got to start fighting, they have to tap into that 70% of the population. And so that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're they're trying to get, you know, all these young kids who were kind of thinking about the military, but not really because of all the woke stuff. And so you start putting white dudes in ads. Because those are the people that you're going after. Because, like I said, it's still 70 percent of the population. It's the biggest population that we have. And if you've ostracized them, you got to figure out some way to bring them back in. You, you've you, you've called you know white people as sickness. You know that you you can't get a job, and it, it, it's just you. So now they're desperate. To try and make you know, being in the military look cool. Yeah. You've had Millie talking about wanting to learn about white rage. And now it's like, hey, guys, we're going into some wars. We need some more white rage. Yeah. We, we actually need your white rage to go murder bad guys that we're, that we're deeming bad guys to get you involved. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Well, it... And I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the likes of Iran, Hamas, Hezbollah, those are all bad guys. But these motherfuckers were at bay for the last, what, seven years, at least four years when Trump was in office. We, we weren't doing any of this. Right. And now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you know, orange man bad. We have to get him out of here. We, you know, the adults have to be back in control. And the next thing we know, we got Biden. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh. And then, you know, you've got Lady Graham. Uh, if one American is killed, then we're going to kill a hundred of you brown people over there. You know, it, shut up, Lindsay. Just fucking go away. You know, you're, 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 you're a horrible human being. And you're just, you're one of the most despicable. It, it, really, Lindsey Graham is, is like the worst that America has to offer. He's like... He reminds me of if you've ever had like 
like bad bowel problems and you like you're overseas and you like take a piece of toilet paper and you like stuff it in your butt crack just to make sure that you can make it through the day and then you go to pull it out at the end that's what Lindsey Graham is he's he's a man pawn and it, it just it really it really disgusts me when I see people like him like encouraging war because you and I both know what the end result is Good people who have their lives ahead of them end up dying for people like Lindsey Graham. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and the complicated thing now too is is this this situation. I'm not. I'm obviously. I've. I've. You. You guys know this about me, and I've. I've changed a lot on this. I'm not a big proponent of 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 going in and getting involved in these forever wars. There are times where it makes sense, but. For, well, yeah, I, I'm all for like taking a small team in, you know, SEAL team, Delta team, going in there, fucking shit up, getting our people out, getting them to safety. All for it. Yeah. But as you're saying, these long protracted, oh, we need, you know, the 785th mechanized division to, you know, roll into Poland to stage. And then we're going to have the 85th mountain division, you know, post up in gobbledygook waiting to go into Guzaga. <laughs> Guzaga is great this time of year. <laughs> uh, no, but the, but the issue is, I mean, absolutely. I mean, but. The, the the issue is is they they screw they screw the pooch all the time and historically speaking you know we've gotten our asses kicked in all these wars for for a long time not because we didn't go in and know what we were doing and we weren't better in the more superior force we were but then we get into nation building we get into these quagmires we get into this 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 whole thing right and then you have withdrawals and then dumbass rules of engagement dumb, yeah hundred percent but here but 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 so. We've had we we've you've gone you've been a peak too sooner right you've had everyone focused on Ukraine and Russia the last year and a half plus which is absolutely ludicrous not our fight whatsoever the dumbest thing for us to get involved in now it's not dumb if you're if you're Lady Graham and some of the politicians with the opportunities that exist for them in Ukraine but in terms of of getting everyone on board with it. It's just not there. You could have gotten people on board with, with this particular war and this particular conflict because it's our staunch ally, Israel. You've got them surrounded by extremists, radical jihadists, supported, funded, trained, equipped by Iran, the largest state sponsor of terror in the world. You could have gotten people there, and I'm not saying that they won't get people there, but the problem is is you, you blew your wad too early on these other things. Like, no one wants to get into a hot war with Russia. No one wants to get into a hot war with China over Taiwan. People want to, one, secure our border and protect our own country. And then if we're strong and we feel good and we feel like our reserves are there and the personnel's there and the finances and the equipment and everything that goes into fighting a war, whether it's on a low level or a big level, then it's like, okay, does this one make more sense? It makes more sense than the rest. But we're not positioned to do it. And 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 you people, you folks in D.C. have taken advantage. You, you've destroyed our country, for one. Then you've taken advantage of of the will and the emotions of the populace. And, and now you want everyone to be like, hey, it's OK. We're America. We can do all of these things. We're not the same America we used to be. No, we can't do all those things. The, the areas of the country that where most people who join the military come from 
have been decimated by opioids and fentanyl and all that shit. The, the Democrats have spent the last three years, three plus years, making sure that fellow Americans are strung out on drugs and not doing a damn thing to try and stop it. And now a lot of these people that you want to get to join the military can't because they've wrecked themselves through opioid addiction. Right. A lot of them are dead. That's the thing that you wanted. You wanted you wanted these people to die. You didn't want them because they were too independent for you. They were too much of an American that wouldn't be compliant to the government. So they did their damnedest to try and eliminate this part of the population. But now when it comes to fighting wars, all of a sudden you need them. And you know what? You're screwed. You did the same thing that you did to our strategic oil supply by, you know, releasing it so prices would come down in the summertime for people to travel around with no forethought to how this would affect us later on down the road. Same thing that you did with these people who, you know, usually, you know, historically joined the military. You killed them. You crushed them. You made fun of them. You ostracized them. And I, some of them, I, I can totally understand why they became junkies, because you didn't give them an option. You told them that they were the reason why there was so much bad in the United States. So why in the fuck are they going to fight for the United States when you've laid that groundwork for them? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I mean, and we know the answer. Uh, Fed dude, by the way, says we don't have the oil reserves to get into a hot war. We don't. No, yeah, he's totally correct we just it's just that's where we are yay what are we going to use battery operated tanks <laughs> with solar they're talking panels? about it they're talking about <laughs> I it i know they are that's how ludicrous this entire this entire conversation is when you talk to the the people on the left all these <laughs> they're so ideologically driven that pragmatism has nothing to do with any kind of decision making process that they have that's what's so frustrating about these morons there's there's so much frustrating about them. <laughs> there's nothing positive about them. There's just not. There's just not whatsoever. Um, okay, we're you know what's kind of positive. We're gonna get to it after this quick break. Gal Gadot stepped up. First of all, she's a smoke show, but she's she's doing something which is not really surprising, giving her heritage and everything. But we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about Gal Gadot. How tall is she? She's perfectly tall. I don't know how tall she is. I don't know. I have these fantasies of her, like, grabbing me and picking me up like a football and just running away with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, picking me up like five a fumble. 5'10", says Disco. That's, I was going to say probably close to six feet. Sorry, I had a beard hair in my, in my mouth there. I just, we all experienced it together. Um, we're going to talk Gal Gadot. We're going to talk Bill Maher, who went—he's uh, still a total— whack job but uh, again had a rant that was reasonable he went after uh the oh so woke and placating neil degrasse tyson we'll show that um <clears throat> and then rogan has got a new contract uh discussion we should say coming up things about done with spotify they could continue on with a new one but it, it's coming up so we've got some interesting kind of cultural stuff that we're going to talk about uh as we head into the final leg of the show here Going to take a quick break, and then we'll get into all of that. Stick around.
Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. My towels solve the problem that we've all had with towels. You go into the stores and they feel lotiony and soft, but then you get them home and they wind dry you. That's why I made my towels. They actually work, they're soft, and they absorb. And now I'm excited to announce two brand new lines of my towels. What makes them the best towels ever is they're now made with 100% long staple Shapir cotton. This is a combed ring spun cotton that makes my towels even softer and more absorbent than ever. And now you get a six piece set for an amazing introductory sale price as low as $29.98. So go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get my towels for only $29.98. Or you can get my designer premium line for just $20 more. Either way, you save 50% now on all my towels. They actually work. What a concept. This offer won't last long, so please order now. MyPillow.com Get more of Drew, the crew, and this is my show with Coin Club, exclusively on the RVM Network. Coin Club members get a This Is My Show challenge point. Access to Booze and Banter, an exclusive tailgate show for Coin Club members only, right before This Is My Show. Plus, automatic entry into show-related sweepstakes and other in-studio bonuses. And don't forget, members get access to all other premium content on the RVM Network. So join the club and carry your coin with pride. All members now receive commemorative challenge coins. Military and first responders get 30% off their memberships. So sign up at dbcoinclub.com. Again, that's dbcoinclub.com. Let's talk about Wonder Woman. You didn't see that coming, but we're going to do it. And we're going to do it because star Gal Gadot, the smoke show Israeli actress, plans to screen footage 
provided by Israeli Defense Forces, the IDF, showing the brutal acts of Hamas terrorists committed during the October 7th invasion of Israel. We've seen some of it, of course. She's just going to put it all out there. And obviously an Israeli woman. Um, you, you've got Israeli's 124 news outlet announced that the Hollywood screening of the 47-minute footage for select audiences of celebrities and influential personalities would be happening. Are we on that list? I, we didn't get the invite. <laughs> didn't get the invite. Really disappointed about it. We'll talk to her people. Uh, but it's... It, as you can imagine, the, the, as, as they said in their description of it, the video content is said to be deeply disturbing and has already been watched by numerous foreign journalists and Israeli Knesset members. Uh, the, the footage will be showcased uh, under the title Bearing Witness to the October 7th Massacre in Los Angeles and New York this week. That all according to The Wrap, which noted that one of the screenings will take place by invite only Wednesday at the Museum of Tolerance. According to reports, the footage, which was mostly filmed by Hamas terrorists, includes murder, mass rapes, beheadings of Jewish people, as well as the massacre at the Nova Music Festival. The American Jewish Community uh, Committee, excuse me, an anti-defamation league are helping to organize the screening. So, th look, this is this is a bold move. Obviously, she's an Israeli woman. But you're out there. You're a prominent, a big star. I mean, she's she is. In terms of career, in terms of everything, but in terms of career, very hot right now. And it's not a very hot or popular move to be like, I stand with Israel. I'm against you guys over there. You're terrorists. And I think, one, it, it runs a risk for her, um, which it does. But I love it. Because it because here's here's the reality of it. There's going to be some people who are pissed like, yeah, but you don't understand. Well, you're Israeli. You're from there. You lived. I didn't. I'm just commenting about it. Hopefully you have that kind of internal conversation if you're going to attack her on this. But here, here's here's what it's what's good about it is you get people like this who speak up about truth and and share something that is beneficial and sick in this case, but beneficial to the conversation when you're in that position of, I don't want to say power, but influence that she is, this is really helpful. Because what are you seeing all across the streets in America? People supporting Palestine and Hamas and marching for them and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. A Jewish man killed. Of course, the, the news outlets won't say that. He fell down. He fell down, they'll say. Not, not, not that he was murdered by a pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas protester, which he was. But... But having someone say, go counterculture, counter to what people in Hollywood are saying and doing and say, you know what? This was awful. Let's call it what it is. I'm going to put my career on the line. She'll be fine and say this. I just I think it's great. I, I'm I, and I don't know where she stands in every other issue. I would venture to bet we probably disagree on a lot, but I, I wholeheartedly agree with her on this. Yeah, I agree with her, too. And when it comes to counterculture, I'm all about counterculture, man. No, you don't say. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Because I, I find the mainstream to be so boring. Life is so much more intoxicating and just adventurous on the fringes, right? And so I—, I this kind of reminds me—it it doesn't really remind me, but there's always somebody in Hollywood that has spoken up— um, it is is gone the counterculture route 
like it, early on with the um, with, in, in Nazi Germany, you had Charlie Chaplin and the Three Stooges, yeah, who were the first to do shorts, you know, mocking Hitler. And to me, those are very important steps because everybody in Hollywood is extremely timid about doing anything. They always talk about, oh, we want to be edgy. We want to try something new. We want to try something different. I can't tell you how many times that I've been either hired to direct or produce a project where I go into the, the pitch meeting from the producer after I've gotten the job or during, you know, or, or, or during the hiring process. And they're like, we want to make this totally different from every other you know, reality show out there. What are your thoughts? And so I lay out my thoughts. I tell them what my vision is. I, I hear you know, what the format of the show is. They, I take their vision, interconnect it with my vision, give them the pitch. They're like, all right, you're the man. We shake hands on it. I get the job. And then it comes down to shooting day one. And it's like, well, you know, what we talked about in that meeting, we got together with the network executives, and we decided that, you know, it's probably better if we go take a more traditional route to the production of it. People in Hollywood, for the most part, are cowards when it comes to trying to do anything different. Yeah. And I think Gal doing this says a lot. I mean, you know, how, how much different would have World War II would have been if there would have been concentration camp footage right after Pearl Harbor happened yeah. and we knew what we were entering. You know, I, I think for, for me, it's important to see what human beings are capable of who ascribe to one ideology or another. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's so important. I know it's uncomfortable for people and there's limits to it, right? Like I don't sit around at the house and call my kids over. You know, my oldest being 13, he, he gets more than, than others. But I don't call them over and be like, hey, watch this beheading. It's, gonna, it's great. It's going to be really educational. No, there's obviously stuff that's appropriate, not appropriate. But for adults, you need to see just how vile the world is. Because to Tom's point, I mean, to not even going back as far as World War II, going back a couple decades, people didn't know how this stuff worked because you didn't see all of it. Some of us did. Some of us did in, in real living color. And, and everyone's like, no, oh, it can't be that bad. No one's that bad. And it's like, oh, my gosh, they're so much worse than I thought anyone could ever be. You know, you see what Hamas did on October 7th. It's like, yeah, no. And it's, you know what? It's not just Hamas. They're everywhere. There's so many people like this. That is what we are facing as humanity. So it's it, all that to say, it's super important that you see What's out there? What people are capable of? What their hearts are like? It's 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 a terrifying world that we live in, and and the quicker you realize that, the better off you will be. You won't necessarily be happier, but the the more prepared and the more uh, aware of 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 the threats and 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 what's out there, you'll be. And that's super important to surviving in this world. Is you got to know what's out there, and then you control what you can control. You try and mitigate risk where you can, and then you also just understand you're not really in charge. We're just here for a short while, and and maybe it goes down the way you think it does. Maybe it doesn't, but, um, man, I, I think it's important. I think it's good. I hope that there's some people in New York and Los Angeles where she's doing these screenings that are among the entertainment world, the Hollywood world, who watch it and walk away horrified. I hope that they 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 throw up not because of their, of their bulimia, 
but because of, of what they see on screen and have a little bit of a change of heart. Maybe they won't change right off the bat. I hope they do, but but at least ask themselves some questions and they go and 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 talk to whoever they talk to that night and and say, Man, this is this is vile stuff. And I've been supporting these people. I just did an Instagram post the other day. I'm obviously in character, not me. I don't even know how to log into my Instagram. But <laughs> but like like I just did a post for these people the other day and look at what they did. Yeah, exactly. That's what we've been trying to tell you. And you tell us that we're awful people and we're racist and we're Zionist and we're this and we're that. Like, no. Look at look at who they are. So I hope that some people wake up. I it's not gonna change everything, but I hope that it changes some people because just a little bit of change goes a long way. Right. And, you know, I, I, I don't like violence. I don't like killing, even though I have spent most of my career in that environment. It, anything that you can do to prevent that from happening, I think, is a good thing. And sometimes it takes people to see atrocities that take place and see them totally unfiltered. Because most people go through life and don't want anything unpleasant in their life. I mean, look what we've done as a society. We, we, have, we have taken away risk from our kids. We, we, we have done everything in our power to create a world where we take away anything that's unpleasant. Right. You know, we, we don't like to go shopping. We don't like to, you know, park and get out and walk through the parking lot, go into a store, look through the store. So now we just, you know, hop on Amazon, buy something, and that, and that mitigates the, the, the need to go out in public and do things. And so once you take that kind of—once you disassociate yourself from actual reality— some, there's got to be a bucket of cold water that gets thrown back on you where you realize what human beings are capable of when they become depraved and, and act in a way that you don't that shouldn't be part of normal society. Normal society is not going into a kibbutz, killing a dog, and then killing the, the males that are there and then raping the females and then killing them. Right. That's that's not that that's not a world that we should be living in. But unfortunately, that's the world that we have now. So I think, you know, if you are borderline of, you know, who's right, who's wrong or, or just of the mindset. All right. You know what? I may think one thing, but I'm open to hear the other side of what's going on. So I will see what's going on. You know, is this propaganda I don't know. I'm going to take her word for it. Just as when I see things about Hamas, it's like, all right, you know what? I'm going to take their word for it. Let me see. Yeah. And I can tell you right now of the footage that I've seen, there is more on the Israeli side than the Hamas side, because I can't tell you how many fake videos and photos that I have seen from the Hamas side of things or the Palestinian side of things. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, and part of it, too, I mean, it kind of segues into this next little bit here is is just the nonsense that's being piped into our population, you know, and, and how they start to believe or not believe things, how they start to just shudder certain things, not talk about things. You had super leftist Bill Maher 
<laughs> who, again, he gets things right every once in a while. He's he's the kind of guy you can have a beer with, and he'll be a dick about some stuff, and he'll be arrogant and, and all those things. But, he's a total dick, but that's one of the things that you sort of like about him. Right, exactly. Like there's some entertainment value yeah. in that. And then he and then he's there's some stuff where he goes totally counterculture from the left and entertainment and all of that. And you know, he so and here's an example. He sat down with one of the smuggest, most unctuous pseudo intellectuals of all time, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, here's just less than a minute of their exchange. Take a listen to it and then we'll discuss. Surely there is a portfolio of jokes that would still work on a college campus. Surely. I would hope not. From what maybe maybe some college campuses, the ones you read about are fucking insane. You've given up on an entire generation, and you don't know how to make them laugh. I have given up on any place that doesn't even remotely attempt to believe in free speech and thinks that anything that, that they hear that they don't like, that they don't agree with, is violence. These people are fucking nuts, and you should be calling them out. Somebody like you, who has standing with kids, should be not joining them. I do when, them. when it's you a science you're doing what to it. you're yes. doing what parents do. You're What's taking that? the path of least resistance, I, and therefore hurting the kids and yourself. Parents ruin both their lives. They ruin their fucking spoiled kids' lives, and they ruin yeah. their own lives because the kids rule the roost. So that's what you're doing on a national level. I, I'm feeling more like on the porch. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Really? You know, I feel like we're in the barber shop. <laughs> <laughs> well. So, I mean, look, Neil, Neil says that Bill, you could hear at the beginning of that, has given up on students on college campuses. Yeah, we all have, Neil. Uh, and Bill says Neil's just going along with it, going along with this woke stuff, this nonsense. And he's right. He, he's absolutely right. Neil's a carnival barker for the ruling class. He, he, he likes being a part of the in crowd. He'll do whatever it takes not to lose a seat at the table. But at the end of the day, he's a coward. He's an unserious person who hides behind the eye rolls and personal attacks. I mean, he, first of all, I mean, the, people have made him out to be interesting and cool over the years. When, I mean, when's the last time that people made like a scientist or an academic into, I mean, it happens periodically. Well, but they, they made him interesting and cool because being a black scientist, it all it has everything to do with his race. It yeah. has nothing to do with with his intellectual standing or his scientific standing. That That's one of the things that drives me crazy about Neil deGrasse Tyson is he's a fraud. He's a charlatan. He, he he's one. Of, he's like Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just these people that are force-fed to us who are heavily credentialed, and the left is like, oh, I don't know any black people, and he's got a ton of degrees, and a, oh, so he's smart, so I'm going to listen to him, because if I don't, and I call him out on perceived bullshit that I don't agree with him on, I'll be labeled a racist. Right. And that's how these folks, you know, get monstrous careers. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. But 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 what do they really do? What do they really say? That he doesn't say anything. Yeah. I mean, he, he look, he, just look at that exchange. Bill Maher was very articulate, and his points were very cogent. And what did Neil deGrasse Tyson do? He doesn't have the intellectual capability to engage in a rebuttal. All he was doing was like, 
and you know and looking off even right. though Bill Bill Maher you know was you know saying his points and looking in a different direction but he'd always try and make eye contact with Neil Neil wasn't about the eye contact because he knew that all he had were talking points he didn't have any well thought out responses to what Bill was saying yeah and that to me was the most telling part of it. And then he tried to diffuse everything with a joke at the end about getting off my lawn, well, you know, which was a you know a, a proper diffusion to it. But if you if you watch a little bit further into that conversation, Neil does nothing to rebut what the point that Bill was making. Yeah. And somebody you know that that Bill you know, was somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who Bill was pointing out that you know kids look up to and you know he's got a platform that he just goes along with every woke narrative that there is there there was one i can't remember the interview where neil was tying himself in knots trying to explain how gender was a spectrum and i'm like you've got to be kidding me yeah no he he needs the goodwill and the support of these young people who for the most part don't mean anything or bring anything of value to society and bill's bill's just recognizing it saying hey there they are hey, bill didn't say they're a lost cause but he kind of did and, and neil put those words in his mouth but it's like look at have you looked around have you looked at the college campus have you looked at academia as a whole not just even in the last several years but going back frankly 50 60 years but if you looked at it particularly now it's it is it is so wrong and it's remarkable because at the end of the day bill wants those people just knowing hearing the things he says and what he thinks on a lot of issues you know, he, like most of us, want young kids and, and other adults—they're not adults, but individuals—to agree with him and have the same line of thinking. But he's also willing to call out the bullshit that's happening on those campuses. So it's like he wants the net result, but how it's getting there, he doesn't agree with, which is kind of fascinating. But it—it's it, yeah. Didn't Neil agree with the trans movement? Um, yes, exactly, Ginger. Um, right. Yeah. It's it. it I agree with Bill. When, when people discount free speech and say that, you know, invent things like hate speech and there's certain speech that you shouldn't say, you know what? Fuck you. That's all I have to say to people who want to try and stifle speech. If you want to, like, say, oh, you shouldn't say this, you shouldn't say that, you can't say this without the government coming down on you— I have nothing to talk to you about because without free speech, we have nothing. Yeah, period. That that's it. That's that's all we have. Right. Luckily, we have the Second Amendment still hanging on by a thread right now that keeps the first one still kind of free. But the left is doing everything in their power to take that away. In People in pop culture, Tom Morello, oh my God, that guy makes me want to fucking puke. He's a, a guitarist, lead guitarist for Rage Against the Machine, and his his speech at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction just made me sick because he's an avowed communist. And when communists reach a certain point, they talk about, we got to keep the fight going. This is the fight that we started with Rage Against the Machine and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, you're seeing the payoff because you've gotten yours. Right. And what you're trying to do right now is prevent everybody else from getting the same slice of the pie that you got a big chunk out of. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of pie. 
which you know I really I really liked Rage Against the Machine. I think Tom Morello is one of the great guitarists of all time. But He's just an idiot. Fuck, man. Yeah. When you endorse Che Guevara and yeah. you talk about how much you hate the country that has given you so much, it just it really rubs me the wrong way. Well, I think we got it. We got it. <laughs> and, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I think you're right. But speaking of pie, someone who also has rubbed people the wrong way, most of the people on the left, is Joe Rogan. And he's up for some more pie because his contract with Spotify is up next year. And the rumors are uh, flying around, people talking about where he's going to end up. I'm going to just read some sections here from, and we can just pop this up to scope, but I'm going to read some, some parts of this New York Post article. Podcast King Joe Rogan may ditch Spotify for another platform, possibly even joining Elon Musk's X uh, or Twitter after his contract expires next year. The wildly popular host of the Joe Rogan Experience, which draws an estimated 11 million listeners per episode, signed an exclusive licensing deal with Spotify that paid him a reported $200 million in 2020. But with Spotify cutting its ballooning cost as Rogan's contract comes to an end, industry experts say the podcaster is in the driver's seat. Spotify's signing of Rogan was a coup for the company, despite the string of controversies surrounding the podcast guests. Rogan's lineup of interviewees included conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, as well as skeptics of COVID-19 vaccines, uh, the COVID-19 vaccine. Well, I guess there were vaccines, plural, among other guests. Real quick on that point. Let's just pause there. Con conspiracy theorists talking about Alex Jones. I mean, I know that's the prevailing terminology that people are using and, and descriptor for him, you know, but I mean, honestly, and Alex Jones, not my cup of tea. I'll just, I'll just be straight up with you. I don't disagree with him on everything. He's not, he's just not my cup of tea, but other than, other than Sandy hook, what exactly has he gotten wrong? It's been a conspiracy. I mean, <laughs> they're trying to diminish people like him who won't go along with their narrative, but I got to be honest, if we're keeping a scorecard here, he's doing pretty well, right? Yeah, I would say that he's a lot more right that he's been wrong in the past. Yes. Everyone, you know, it, life is a, is a competition in some regard. There's, there's stats, there's figures, there's all that and, and anything. You just want to have more wins than losses, and that's true for him. I mean, if you take these last three years when it comes to Russia collusion— when it comes to the P tapes, when it comes to COVID, yeah. everything, Alex Jones is a hundred percent, and the mainstream media is zero. Yeah, the, they've gotten everything wrong the entire time. So you got to kind of give the guy a little bit of break. You I, do. They I, never will, but you. I mean, other people do. I, I mean, I, I've had to. There's been a lot of times where I've, I've had to be like, you know what? I was wrong on my view of his view. Uh, he's actually 100% right on this. Yeah. Uh, it just is what it is. And you you got to be able to own that. But, but anyways, they bring that up. We had to have a quick sidebar there. Continuing with the article um, in the New York Post, which reads, this last year Rogan had threatened to quit speaking of Spotify, if he was forced to limit the topics that he could discuss on his show. But <clears throat> let's pause again. I was just going to say that last paragraph, it said, it said uh, skeptics of the COVID-19 vaccine before you were labeled an anti-vaxxer. Right. And so now it's skeptics. skeptics. Yes. A much more soft. <laughs> yeah. Let's lighten this up a little bit. Uh, we still have some concerns about you. You, you, yeah, I, that, uh, yeah. But that, but then they talk about this and 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 talk about you know his frustrations 
on on potentially self-censoring, if you will, some of the topics that he would discuss. That's just how the left plays. They do. They they want to be in charge of the information flow of everything. You know, Alex Jones is a controversial figure. We can all agree to that. But some of the guests that Joe has on his podcast are some of, like, the, the, the greatest people as far as guests go that I've ever heard. You know, he's got a comic on there, Sam Tripoli. And Sam is like, I'm into conspiracy theories. But this dude is on a whole other level than I am. And I find him I find him very refreshing just by, you know, his point of view on things yeah. about the fake moon, a fake moon landing, the flat earth. You know, who care? <laughs> who cares if this is misinformation or whatever? I find it entertaining. He's interesting. I, he's, yes. Yeah. He he's has an interesting take on things. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're have, especially him, because Joe does things differently. You know, Joe's show is a long form conversation. They sit around and talk about all sorts of shit for hours on end. And what do you want as a listener, as a host too? But what does he want as a list as a listener in particular in that situation? You want something that's interesting and fascinating. You don't have to agree with it. You could have someone like him who's like, "Well, here's why I believe uh, in in the the ideology of flat Earth." Okay, well, this is going to be interesting. I disagree, but I'd, I'd love to hear your take. Go. Right. And, and then they have an interesting conversation, and it's, and it's not meant— I mean, Joe, Joe does a great job with it. He doesn't need me blowing smoke up his ass here, but, like, he does a great job with it because it's never meant to be, like, I'm going to convince you to change your mind. It's just, why do you think what you think? Oh, interesting. Here's why I think what I think. And then they talk, and then they drink, and then they smoke weed, and they do their thing. But, like, that— <laughs> That's what you want in a show, especially a show like that. Right. It, it, it's the it, it's the sharing of ideas. Yeah. There, there was, uh, it was probably maybe a month ago that you came in and I said, Drew, I've got a new theory for you. I think Helter Skelter was actually a CIA op and it was a test balloon for what we're going through now. And you're like, all right, explain. So I went through my whole explanation of the whole helter-skelter theory that was planted to Vincent Bugliosi by who knows who, because it clearly wasn't Charles Manson, even though Charles Manson was part of the MK Ultra and Midnight Climax programs the CIA was putting on in San Francisco. But that's another story that would, you know, needs another sidebar and some more time. Yeah. But it was... It, that sort of conversation where you and I agree on a lot of things, but we don't agree, not really, we don't agree, but we're willing to listen to each other on other things, especially like concepts and ideas, you know, you know, the, the one that I had with Helter Skelter, you were like, okay, I never thought about it that way. Um, <laughs> could kind of see it, but I don't think it's quite there. And it was like, okay, it's not quite there. All right, so now how could I get it there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the – I mean, here's the, here's how I look at things too. And and maybe at some point we just pivot the damn show to this. But, like, I, 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 I love the concept of having conversations like that. I love of, okay, we're sitting in a not, – not, you know, we did a work meeting there the other day. But we're sitting in a cigar bar – for fun for shits and gigs and we're just talking about whatever comes up we're catching up on life and issues solving the world's problems right what are those conversations that pop up those types of conversations 
extraterrestrial types of conversations who who really killed kennedy kind of conversations and you get these back and forth well here's my theory here's your theory that's interesting i'm going to blend that in with this one that seems completely illogical what you just said whatever and you just have those conversations and they're so fun that's what joe rogan show is right and that's why the left hates it so much, because it doesn't toe the line. Yeah. It, 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 it goes away from their perceived norm. You can't have an exchange of ideas yeah. unless it's, it's what the government says. Yeah. Period. Yeah. No, I, I, I freaking love it. Um, to continue, just to finish off the article, it's almost done here, at least the section I'm going to read. The Stockholm-based company, talking about Spotify, ended up... I didn't know they were Stockholm-based, by the way, oh, yeah. until I read this. Um, Stockholm-based company ended up ruining um, the more than $1 billion investments it made in signing big-name stars such as Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, the Obamas, Kim Kardashian, all of whom created podcasts, podcasts that resulted in a huge net loss. So just the point there, obviously, is... is they're figuring out what's going to happen. They're going to have negotiations with Joe. There's been some back and forth on types of content with Joe. Is Guys, hopefully you've learned this by now. No one has. We have in the audience. You guys have in the audience. And, and But equity kills everything. You go try and make these moves. This is going to be great. But what did it get you? you I, understand, I understand what you were thinking when you made those those contracts and sign those people. I understand the the thought that you thought was going to happen. Cover. But but it but did it? No. No, it didn't at all. You fucked your company by doing that. You picked out the three most toxic families to give a podcast to and pay them an exorbitant amount of money and none of them delivered. They're the most polarizing people. Yeah. And I understand why Spotify did it because there was a huge controversy when they signed Joe Rogan. It's like, ah, this guy's in a, you know, there's Alex Jones on and all these other people, you know. And, and I'm sure the CEO of Spotify was getting phone calls going, bro. You need to do something yeah. because it's got to be equitable. So they course corrected, but they overcorrected. Yes. And now you're at the point where you're you're very possibly, not certainly, but very possibly going to lose Joe Rogan, the biggest draw there is, and also the people you signed that you thought were going to counter him and kind of balance things out didn't do anything for you, and you're just in a horrible spot. <laughs> Your company's going to go under once he leaves. <laughs> Or the potential to. Yeah. You know, people still make playlists off there. and Yeah, I mean, maybe they stick around, but it won't be. They've tried to evolve. I mean, Spotify started as one thing, became another thing, and then started dumping buku bucks into these people. It would have to, if, if, it, goes, if it goes a certain way, it would have to peel back to, okay, let's get back to brass tacks. Right. This is what we are. And, and there's layoffs, and there's all sorts of stuff that comes with that. Crazy-ass stuff. Crazy-ass stuff, no doubt. Speaking of crazy-ass stuff, just to wrap up the night, it's been really fun hanging out with you guys, and we've got a few more minutes, so we're not, we're not leaving yet, but have you, have you noticed how wild the scenes keep getting? Not just the protests and everything that's happening, but the, how, how the scenes have been just changing and evolving across the country, particularly with our homeless folks, our drug-addled folks, and... Nothing is, I think, a better... I don't, I don't know if there's really much audio for this or not, but it's short anyways. But 
Nothing is maybe a better picture of it than, than this scene right here. Take, take a look to, at, at what's going on in the street here with this homeless guy. He's kind of in the background. So he's just kind of still. But you'll notice in his hands is a battle axe. Something, you, I mean, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's kind of interesting. You don't see battle axes around that much anymore. It's a resurgence. It's apparently so. <laughs> Make sure you get out and get your battle axe, folks. Get food, water, batteries, and a battle axe. But he's got a freaking battle axe in his hand. Yeah, Disco will pull this this still image up there in case you you missed it. I love how all these, like, crazy-ass people, too, are always just, like, frozen in time. They just, they always are. But he's stuck there. But you know what's, what struck me about this, seeing it the first time this morning? Is we're so broken as a country... And we've got stuff like this happening all the time that just go actually go back to that real quick. We're, we're so broken as a country that there's a dude. And keep in mind, we've got increasing violence all over the country. Theft. Assault, all of those things. And there's a dude, a homeless dude standing with a battle axe. And this young chick who's in frame here and other people, they just walk on by. No big deal. No big deal. Just going to keep doing my thing, talking on my phone. He's got a battle axe, you guys. Well, they don't want to come across as being racist if they call the police and say, there's a black man with a battle axe on the street. I'm, he doesn't look like he's doing too well mentally and probably shouldn't have it in public. You know... <laughs> If he had it in his bag and you just saw the handle, I'd be like, ah, whatever. He doesn't seem like a threat. Does he seem like a threat now? Not really, but when you start pulling, when you have a battle axe in public, I don't think you should be worried about being called a Karen or a Ken <laughs> if you call 911 because obviously this guy is in some sort of mental distress. But Obviously, then, but then, you know, play the movie out. Do you want to be the one who made the call to nine one one, and the police show up and have to shoot this guy because he comes charging at them with the battle axe? I have no problem with that. I have no problem with it. I because if you charge with it, then you know, if you set it down and you move on and you say, "Hey, it's just a prop, it's just a toy, uh, whatever," <laughs> like. But uh, my my bigger concern is that people. Uh, I get it. I get that we're at a time where, where people do crazy stuff. You're allowed to steal now. You're allowed to just stand on the street, the battle axe, and that people are so numb to all of it, they just walk by. But as a, as a father, granted, my kids aren't at that age, but as just a normal human being who also scans for threats and, and does all that just because of my background experience, like, how, how are you people? Okay, don't make the call. If you don't want to make the call, whatever, that's, that's, that's on you. How are you just walking by Hoping and praying that nothing happens. Yeah, like he doesn't get up and all of a sudden bury that into the base of your skull. Right. Yeah. <laughs> take a maybe a wider loop, you know, around, you know, take a maybe maybe go the opposite direction, be a couple minutes late to your meeting, whatever the case might be. Well, you can't do that because if you're to cross the street when you see an apparent threat and and the threat that you see has a different race than yours, that's being racist. Because we've heard all these stories about how, you know, 
black males walking down the street and white people always cross the street to get away from them because they're, you know, out of systemic racism. They're naturally afraid of the black male. So, you know, you've got 20 years of that leading into this where it's like, now it's come to the point, okay, it's a black male with a battle axe. If you were ever going to cross the street because it's a visible threat, this would be the time. Right. <laughs> if it's a black man walking down the street with his girlfriend or his kids, you're okay. Right. But if it's a black man, if it's an Asian person, if it's a Hispanic person with said battle axe <laughs> or a white person— Go to the other side of the street. It's just it's just common <laughs> sense. And and also, I mean, beyond common sense, and everyone I think in the audience here, you know, gets that and feels that way too. But just on uh, honestly, it is so refreshing not to care what other people think about. And that's that that sounds like, oh, that sounds so mean spirited and awful. You can be nice and not care about what everyone else thinks about your words or actions. I don't always do it that way, but you can be like, it can be done. I think it can be executed. You've got to put yourself and your safety and your family and, and all of that first. And if you're concerned about, well, what is this going to sound like or look like? Stop it. Like, don't play that game. Do the right thing. And and sometimes the right thing is, is you and your safety and just uh, stop caring about what other people think. All right, folks, it's been a fun night. We're going to get out of here. We're going to get out of here. We got two more episodes coming for you this week. We're excited about both of them. It's going to be awesome. Um, we appreciate you spending some time with us today, yesterday, every day. So many of you guys are here every day. We can't thank you enough for that. So many of you guys come in for the first time. We're damn glad you're here. Everyone hit that like button if you have not already. Make sure you're subscribed so you get notifications. And then share. Give give the, the holiday gift of sharing the show, the page, the episodes, all of that with friends, family members, colleagues, whoever. Your crazy Uncle Joe, whoever whoever might be, please do that. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. We hope you have a great rest of the night. Be safe. Be smart. Be free.